Hello and welcome to the Hub Systems Podcast, the voice of Man's Model Moments, the blog of the various ramblings on the modelling and gaming antics of my son and I. My name is Alex Mann and with me is my son, Oscar. Hello. Also joining us as guests for the week are Alan and Mark from White Dragon Miniatures. Hello. Hello, hello. So guys, as new guests to the Hub Systems, give us a little bit of your gamer bio. Alan, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, thanks Alex. Um, So um, I've been gaming for... 20 odd years now um started with where almost everyone in the hobby does games workshop um and um yeah play a variety of uh, the games both pc and uh tabletop um and then five five years ago set up white dragon miniatures um to start producing some uh, highly detailed resin models good stuff yeah i'll uh, i'll jump on with that one and, and basically say it's a similar sort of story to alan's um again i've been sort of gaming since i was uh, quite young with uh, again warhammer warhammer 40,000 was the uh, the initial sort of kickoff point um me and alan have been sort of uh, gaming companions for oh, many years now um typically uh, he is my uh, my my main opponent so as you can imagine we've had many <laughs> tabletop <The> nemesis <laughs> <laughs> exactly um but yeah as i say i i sort of came on board um probably about a year into uh alan starting white dragon um when he he sort of asked me to to to, to help him out where where i can so uh yeah that's again you know we're, we're both sort of avid gamers in both tabletop and uh, and the video games in you know sorry the video games in general so uh yes that's uh sort of the, the, our, our general background. Well, thanks, guys. Thank you. And uh, welcome to Hub Systems. So it's been three weeks since our, our last podcast, so um, let's get a little bit into what we've been doing in that time. Oscar, what have you been up to? See, I'd like to say I've been doing productive stuff since the <laughs> summer holiday started, but uh, unfortunately I've just been sitting around mostly on my computer. But the weather's been nice, so I've been out with friends for a few days. Uh, we haven't really touched... The modelling kind of side of stuff for quite a while now, actually. Okay, so uh, how about you, Alan and Mark? Um, <laughs> well, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's it's quite it becomes quite a bit different, um, you know, like running White Dragon. Um, I probably haven't done any painting of my own models in a, a long while now, um, hobby wise. Um, it's a bit, yeah, it sounds quite a bit embarrassing, really. Um, <laughs> <laughs> obviously my excuse is you know the kickstarter has been running for the past three weeks so uh yeah, yeah, that, that's always yeah. a good excuse as to to what i've been up to um but no generally a, a lot of it has been um you know working on that and getting um updates provided and updating the rule books as new things have been unlocked um liaising with mark and uh, another party in the uh, the little group barnaby um and you know discussing things um liaising with modelers um printing manufacturing uh liaising with plastic injection molding companies printers you know so it's, it's a whole like plethora of doing the kickstarter um yeah that but, sounds quite like quite a lot <laughs> yeah it is plus a full-time job you know on, on top of that so it's it's um Yes. Yeah, it is a bit of a balancing act, and it does involve some some late nights slash early mornings. <laughs> but you know, overall, it's it's a very rewarding experience, and hopefully, once the uh, the dust settles from it all, can you know start to get into a bit of normality with uh, the hobby side of things. Exactly. I was say my uh, 
I'll echo echo the sentiment there. It's been pretty much a similar situation for me. Uh, I've, I've not had much opportunity to either paint or uh, to, to game recently. So, uh, yeah, as I say, same exactly the same boat. Okay. But we do strive to play some PC games when we can. As <laughs> <laughs> a reward yeah. for, for the long evenings. Yeah. Well, for myself, I've been um, fairly similar, actually. Aside from... Well, we both completed Series 5 of The Walking Dead. Ooh, so we've got Series 6 to, to await, and then we're up to current. Uh, kind of don't want to watch it. I want it to end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't they just announced another season of it as well? I think, I think oh, so. Oh, thank God we can, we can watch yeah, them. <laughs> I'm sure I saw another, another season has been announced. Yeah, well, they're still making money out of it. I, I expect we'll still keep some. Exactly. Um, my youngest daughter's birthday has been this weekend. So mm. that's been pretty busy. Um, <laughs> other than that, we've not done a whole lot of gaming-related activities, mainly because of work. I've been away. We did go to the Attack Game Show in Devices last weekend, where we got to catch up with Neil from Spartan Games, as well as really? Dan Bird. Uh, they were both demoing the new 15mm Halo ground combat game, which looks really nice. Really, really good. So we saw some more Covenant stuff, which was which was really good. Mm. Uh, and also some terrain, which they've they've got together now for the for the game so Excellent. looks like that's going to be pretty nice looking forward to that myself <laughs> yeah yeah so I'm looking forward to getting some Covenant the Covenant Hunters look fantastic the Hunters look really good yeah and the Elites <laughs> I've played quite a bit of Elite Dangerous done a little bit of painting mainly of Cthulhu Wars minis the Bayakis and the King in Yellow who's looking particularly rank isn't he? <laughs> as, as it should be as, as it should be, be yeah and also, uh, today, Oscar and I played a game of Shattered Void, but we'll come back to that shortly. So, before we get into that main topic, of course, we have Hit or Miss. Yay! <laughs> We're still suffering a little bit from the slow summer, but our friends at GW have released the Sylvaneth for Age of Sigmar, so we do have plenty for discussion there. I also get a news blast from Forge World on their, their email thing, so we've got a couple of uh, releases from them. So, so let's start off with Forge World just for a bit of a bit of a change. So, first of all, from Forge World, we have for Age of Sigma, Shartor the Executioner. So, apart from the rather unfortunate <laughs> name, which sounds like it has some sort of <laughs> toilet problem, this is a fairly large mini, from what I'm guessing from the base, because it looks like it's got one of GW standard large figure bases. And he's kind of a, a bull centaur kind of guy, isn't he? Mm. Uh, Chaos, he's got uh, sort of a bull body, uh, a big fat torso, great big arms with sort of red armour on them, carrying an enormous axe with some quite cool runes down the side. And he's got a helmet and bull horns, and he looks pretty badass. Oscar, what do you think to, to Shartor? Well, the first aside from the name, yeah, I was gonna say, let's just call him the bull guy. Okay, the first thing that hits me, which I like, is he's not covered in symbols, which is what we get from every single chaos uh, release, and which is good because uh, it just makes him overcrowded. He's not got armor on every single place possible, which, which is again an upside. And yeah, like you said, he actually looks pretty cool. Uh, I really like the axe on his helmet. Yeah, I mean, I'd agree. He's, you know, he has armour. It's not over-fetished. I actually really like he's got kind of a dirty leather sort of neck cape thing, which is just weighted down with a few little bits of iron or something painted with, yes, they do have skulls on. 
it is Games Workshop, they have their quotas. Um, but actually, there's not an awful lot. There's what, a couple on his back, and I think maybe a couple round. Yeah, I think there's one, two, three, four. Four? four that's a new record for Games Workshop. Four yeah. skulls. Well, this is Forge World. Ah, oh, Forge World. So. But they do have his... Uh, he has found a rock to stand on. He, he has found a rock. He's not quite standing on it yet, actually. He's approaching the rock <laughs> to, to stand, stand on, on it. Um, <laughs> but he hasn't actually got there yet. They, um, they, they caught him just before he got to Games Workshop Citadel <laughs> Studio. And <laughs> 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 suddenly so receives his bling bonus. Yeah. Uh, so, guys, you, you know, you guys are involved in creating minis. What, what do you What do you make of Shartor? I dislike the name, but I'm I'm really digging that model. I, I think <laughs> the, one of my favourite races in well Warhammer uh, was the Chaos Dwarfs, and when Forge World came out with the uh, the Chaos Dwarfs, I was in love. And this is this would fit straight within that it, it's yeah I've, i haven't seen this model before we'd come come onto the podcast and i'm just looking at it now yeah i'm like wow yeah mm. I'm, I'm a fan of that yeah i'm i'm a huge huge fan of, of fantasy models um i collect um just just fantasy any 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 fantasy model going um i i you know have a, a quite a, a good collection um so looking over him just as a um as a painting piece uh he's he's phenomenal um, i really like the sort of the armor um, it's really imposing and as i say just for again um a non-gw game and um, it'd be a really cool sort of uh, end game boss to a, a sort of tabletop battle but yeah he, he looks he looks evil looks imposing um and he's definitely chaos um i like it <laughs> really do okay so the uh the, the, the only thing that uh is just causing me some issues while I'm looking at it is uh, just the part of the face mask that covers below the eyes and downwards. It, it just looks like it stops him looking down. And for being such an imposing creature, I think he's going to be looking down quite a lot. <laughs> so uh, it, it just, yeah, I think it's looking cool. over that part. They haven't given him any movement for the head. He's just moving. He can move left and right. <laughs> that, that's Yeah. Yeah, but he can't look down, and and so you know if they just made that a bit shorter, I think it would be, you know, definitely Maybe. nine uh, nine point five out of ten. But uh, I'd like to be the spearman just below him. <laughs> yeah, he's blind. Spear. Well, you've got to give your opponents a fighting <laughs> chance, you know, by having the the obvious weakness of the big uh, bad guy. Wow, yeah. No, I mean, I, I'm I'm with you. I think this is a pretty imposing model. It's got a good balance i think between the sort of sense of movement practicality it looks good i think you're right as a painting piece you know you could really go to town on this i really like the model then of course we come to the price it's 70 pounds it does come on a let's just have a look i was seeing 105 millimeter uh, oval base now is that wide or long <laughs> Um, so uh, yeah. the only thing I'm struggling with at the moment is actually how large this miniature is because I'm not seeing it with any other minis. So it's a bit difficult for me to get an idea of scale. Yeah. I'm just wondering if that's Titan size base or are they bigger? Yeah, I mean actually seventy pounds for a resin Forge World model is not far off what you'd be paying for a similar plastic GW kit. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree on the. Uh... It's expensive, but. Like we've been saying, it's expensive, (laughs) but the the quality of the sculpting is brilliant. Um, You can, you know, I I personally can't deny Forge World. They're 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 sculptors. They are brilliant. Okay. So overall, hit or miss? Uh, I think we're gonna go. I'm gonna go for a 
a pretty good hit, actually. Mark, Alan? Uh, I'm I'm in there for a hit. Um, I'm in for a hit as well. Okay, I'll. I'm uh, loving that. I'll, I'll round it off with a, a full, full house uh, with a hit. So four hits. Shartor the executioner, bar his unfortunate toilet-related name, is a, a solid <laughs> hit. So <laughs> I guess when you look like he does and you're as big as he does, you, you don't, don't want to be laughing at. <laughs> you, you don't, don't want to laugh people laughing about you. Know. <laughs> No, it's like, what did you say? Uh, Nothing. nothing. <laughs> okay, which then takes us on to the, the other Forge World release, which is the Tower Barracuda AX5-2. This is a obvious flyer, painted rather nicely in fairly typical tower colours. Uh, it looks like a tower flyer. It's got a big minigun on the front. It's got two wings, two tail fins, two engines. What more can you say? Towel bit at the front. It's a towel flyer. So <laughs> it's eighty pounds, uh, or you can buy two for the discounted price of one hundred and sixty. <laughs> it does come with a bunch of options. You can have an iron cannon. You can have a big rail cannon. You can have the the multi cannon, as I say. So it's you know, pretty nice looking kit. Lots of options. What do we think to this one? Well, I like. Just seeing all of the options that you could do, that's quite good, because even if you don't use them, I remember we had the massive boxes of uh, different stuff, and you can always magnetise if it comes in an easy... But yeah, there you go. You've got pictures of people magnetising. Even the... showing that on the website, which is pretty good. I wonder if it comes with the magnets. That'll be an interesting one. There's probably like a separate kit, isn't there? Ah, <laughs> uh, no, no. The, yeah, the, the detailed construction guide includes guidance on suitable magnet sizes. Uh, you may wish to use. There you go. So does, doesn't come with. Oh, they, you know, they couldn't do anything useful, could they? They couldn't like it's halfway chance. there. It's halfway there. <laughs> yeah, it looks like they've provided the uh, holes in the model for the magnets to go in. So they're certainly. But again, uh, like we said with the last one, this would be a very good painting model. You could definitely sit down and spend a good deal of time making this look really good. Uh, I like it, but, um, you know, I've always sort of liked the towel flyers. I've always thought they looked really cool. I think if you're a towel fan, and we were definitely towel fans in our 40k days, we were. uh, It's a nice model. It's, and I don't think if you're used to spending Games Workshop prices, £80 is really going to deter you from spending on, on this. You know, it's a resin model. It's a nice shape. It's a nice size. I don't think that's all you can say about it, really. <laughs> yeah, I would say I. Um, I remember when the towers were first released. Um, I was really enthusiastic about it, and I, I collected a tower force. Um, so yeah, I'm. I'm. I think it's brilliant. You know, it's it's a really nice looking uh, sort of fighter craft, and with it being um, in the again the the style it is, I I like spaceships. I like I like sort of aerial combat. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm won, won over by it. I was just going to say it's uh, it's you know it's a nice nicely presented uh, little model. It's uh, certainly interesting that they've gone down the route of providing the uh, options for the weapons, um, you know, to to help the end user magnetize them. So yeah, very good. Yeah, I mean, it seems to me that Forge World are the sort of bit of Games Workshop that listens to its customers. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I think they're, they're the one that uh, certainly. Uh, go by the old Alan Sugar saying of, you know, smell what sells. And they seem to do it very well. Um, some people say that the kits are expensive. Um, I think with Games Workshop's pricing structure, they've become more reasonable. Um, they, you know, quite a few years ago, they, they were 
you know clusters like you know the rich man's army if, if you had an army of forge world it was like wow you know you must be on a serious wage but i think nowadays you know they're, they're quite reasonable uh i think well I don't, I don't play 40k but i do obviously follow it and stuff but like the plastic flies and stuff about 60 pounds yeah ish aren't they um so 80 pounds that little stretch for you know something a, a little bit more unique and uh and they, yeah, I think it's 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 not too bad. Probably a lot better quality. Exactly, quality is definitely there. Yeah. We... We... Oh, sorry. Yeah, cool. Well, we've got a few uh, Forge World kits, don't we? We've got my yeah. my Orc Squigoth was a Forge World, mm-hmm. and the quality of that was fantastic. Mm. And definitely, a uh, very imposing model on the uh, battlefield and everything. Yeah, they paint it really nicely. Definitely. I, mean, I don't think quality was really ever. In doubt at, at Forge World. Quality control sometimes on some of Not so hot, but, um, I mean, for me, this is a hit. I think it's, um, you know, again, 80 pounds. It's around the same as the Spartan Halo dropships. Probably a similar kind of size as well, looking yeah. at this. Yeah. So, you know, it is on the, the high side. But again, like you said, um, Games Workshop have kind of made them look more reasonable mm. <laughs> because Forge World have kind of stayed where they they always were. Yeah, um, they were just ahead of their time in terms yeah. of pricing. Mm. <laughs> okay, so hit from me. Uh, yeah, solid hit from me again. Yep, completely yeah. agree. Alan, Mark. Yep, yep. I'm, uh, I'm there for a, uh, a hit. Okay, so we have a clean sweep for Forge World. Now we get to the fun stuff. <laughs> oh, come on. Come on. Okay, sorry. Sorry. We'll give it a chance. We'll, we'll come completely unbiased now to Games Workshop, and we'll start off where you know we were going to start off with Age of Sigma. And the first item in the the new Sylvaneth releases, which are Wood Elves, for those of you who still uh, think of them as, as elves and not elves, or whatever mm, it is. Yeah. We have Alerial the Everqueen. Now, Alerial the Everqueen, I believe, originally wasn't a wood elf. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, my Warhammer fantasy knowledge is not as extensive as it should be, or should have been, before they destroyed the world. You are not the only one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I believe she wasn't a wood elf, which is a little puzzling, seeing as that now she seems to be. Maybe having the world destroyed made her think a bit more eco <laughs> so you have Elerial the Everqueen who is standing astride a rather large well which is actually standing on some branches on a beetle although she has wings made of branches and leaves and the beetle is well let's put it this way when I first saw the beetle the sort of three-quarter view that they're showing of it I thought oh that looks quite cool however in the 360 you then get to move it to the side and it's like oh half of it is horns <laughs> Uh, it's proportioned rather strangely for a beetle, seeing as most beetles, about two-thirds of them at the back, and this, it's about a third, which makes it look, for me, quite odd. It's like, okay, look after the shrink gun, okay? I don't point at anything that could go badly, and it's they've just shot the giant beetle, haven't they? Well, they've shot, <laughs> no, they've shot the rear half. Because <laughs> all of the legs are tiny on the back as well, it's got huge front legs. Yeah, it's got a lot of little branches and leaves, just in case you forget it's a wood elf model. Uh, <laughs> it's got some pretty earrings, because uh, the beetles aren't very nice, so they you know, sort of flowered it up Jazz a bit. Them up. Yep. <laughs> it's got some some strange elvish things. I won't tell you what Jay- Lang and Nathan called them from JD Gamercast, <laughs> but it was rather rude. Oh, I mean, Illyrial yeah, herself the is... It's like, is, how long will they last before they snap off? Well, this is... 
this is the prevailing sin that we're seeing from large models from Games Workshop at the moment. Again, if you were to transport this model, if you were brave enough to try and transport this model anywhere, I mean, Alerial's wings are made of fairly thin branches with very long, thin leaves. Um, she has sort of a, a rear robe which turns into leaves and sort of goes off into the wind. There are lots of little branches with little leaves poking up. Uh, the beetle itself has huge forward-facing horns, which have lots of spikes coming off. I mean, this would just be a nightmare, I think, to transport anywhere. I think you'd have to have... I mean, mm. also, Alerial's actual contact points with the model, her feet are just barely touching, sort of the balls of her feet are touching the branches. So again, unless she was sort of magnetised or pinned or something... I wouldn't fancy our chances <laughs> of making it anywhere. So I think it's quite well done, though. Like some aspects of this model, I really like, like the uh, the robe going off into the leaves. Like you said, I think that's a really neat touch and and looks pretty impressive actually. But um, it's like you said, it's just so fragile and risky, impractical would be the word. I mean, if she was a separate mini, then maybe it mm. might work. Oh, she's a... not a bad minion herself, I don't think. Not too bad. No, I, I've I've just been having a have a look over it, and I, I uh, Alaria herself, I think it's really nice. Uh, I would love to have her in my my collection. Um, it's just everything from the the feet down is is not not my cup of tea. <laughs> I, I'm quite the opposite. Yeah, no, I, I'm Ariel. I'm I'm too bothered about it. Just it it, it just seems too over like dominating. Um, the, the the wings just detract away from her pose. Oh. Um, I just it, it just doesn't agree with me. But the beetle, I think <laughs> the beetle is quite a brave design. It's it's certainly different to you know what you ex- expect. You can clearly see it's been influenced like by the likes of a dung beetle um, in it in its you know way of, of having the uh, the horns at the front. I um, stag beetle, but <laughs> well, stag dung the same, aren't they? <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's 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 interesting. I, I think I, I would take Ariel off the top of that, and I wish the branches weren't on it. And uh, yeah, it would, it would be. Yeah, I think the branches. I mean, the branches, the way they're sort of stuck they, onto they, the horns, looks. They just don't uh, seem to fit a purpose. Yeah, they, they just. Well, they look stuck on. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'd quite like the beetle. It does seem a bit of a hot mess of different things, doesn't it? It does. Like, it's can't like quite decide what it, it was. They what have the put was. two models together. If they did them separately, like the beetle as some kind of war beetle, and then her as a commander. Yeah. That, well, and get rid of those wings. If they just trimmed the wings off completely. Mm, mm, yeah. If you didn't have yeah, those I, branchy I wings, I think wings. she's quite a nice. <laughs> Really? So we'll say it's a divisive <laughs> model then. <laughs> yeah, so, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I don't mind the wings either. To be fair, you're putting it in a in a. I don't mind the wings. I just don't like them on her. <laughs> why, why would you ride a enough. beetle if you fly? Like, I, I... <laughs> oh, that is a very good point. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like making the wings redundant. Yeah, I tell you the other thing I don't like about this, which I've just been reminded of, is if you look at if you zoom into the beetle's face. Yes. It it's got little piggy eyes and sort of a normal mouth. Yes, it's not very beetly. It's not very beetly. No, it should have massive pincers, shouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think if it had big mandibles and big compound eyes on the side, or even little compound eyes on the side, it would sort of make sense. Look, it's yeah, a bit yeah, silly. Sort of conform to reality <laughs> a little bit more than uh, the, uh, the 
stylized. Whoa, reality? This Whoa. is Age of Sigma we're talking about. <laughs> it's um, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Unique. Yeah. I, I, I think, it, yeah, like you say, Divided opinion. Yeah, quite a bit of debate about the uh, model. Now, if I had £80 to spend... I'd spend it on the Tau Flyer. <laughs> as, as I was going to say, and I had the choice of what to buy here, I think... Well, if fantasy was my choice, Shartor would be... Um... <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I think I'd be with you on that. But I think if if the price of this was maybe, I don't know, £50, £50 yeah, yeah, £50 or, or below, I, I, I would almost be happy to buy it and just chop Ariel off. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so this is going to be a difficult one. This I think, is, for, I think, yeah. For hit or miss. So, Oscar, what would your oh, call don't be? Don't start me on this. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, there are aspects of it which I like, and aspects of it which I think are ridiculous. Like, oh no. Um, well, I'll give you a head start. I'm going to call it a miss uh, for for several reasons. One, there are aspects of the model I really don't like. I mean, the things which are dangling. On the beetle, which seems to sort of no purpose at all. I don't know what they are. Plus all the little jewellery bits. I think they're all superfluous. Uh, I don't like the composition of the beetle. I think it's it's got some good elements, but I just think it could have been done better. And Valerial herself, you know, I just think if the wings were lost and on some a different model entirely, she'd be quite good by herself. Plus the just general practicality of the model. And for eighty pounds, I think. I could make, I could buy it and make it look good as probably two different models. But do I really want to spend eighty pounds to then hack a kit to pieces? And the answer is no. Mm. You know, when there are lots of models around, if I wanted an imposing piece of my army, Shartor it would be. Mm. <laughs> um, plus a little bit of money spend to spend on beer or something. Um, <laughs> a couple of beers. So, <laughs> so for me, it's a miss for those reasons. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'll I'll back you 100% on that one. Um, if I could get uh, Alariel on her own, um, absolutely, I, I would I would buy her. Personally, the Beetle does absolutely nothing for me. It's uh, it's it's not to, to to my liking. So, eight pounds for you know for for half of it, I'll I'd also have to say it's a miss from me. No, I'll ask you, you. You can go. You can have your opinion, and then uh... you can be the grand finale. <laughs> there we go. Um... <laughs> Uh, just hearing you two talking about it, uh, I think because of the features that I don't like and the fact that it is sort of two good things trapped in one bad model, like the beetle could have done, been done well, its stupid little face look, is looking at me right now and it's just telling me no. <laughs> it, um, and... Ah, and I'm sure, Oscar, it's got the look of sympathy. It is. It's, please, please don't <laughs> it, make it me a miss. <laughs> I think that face isn't saying anything other than kill me. Help me out, my misery, please. Well, it's got trees growing all over. I don't know. Why was I sculpted? Yeah, poor creature. <laughs> I could have stayed concept. <laughs> and uh, it's yeah, just impractical. It's lots of bad aspects, like the, the behind just looks stupid on the massively uh, exaggerated head part of the beetle. The wings don't go with uh, the, the the Ever Queen's uh, actual figure. They, it just just doesn't work for me. So it's it's going to be a miss. Okay. Mm. Well, the thing with this model, it's like uh, Oscar just said. It's it's composed of two parts that could have been really good, but they've been brought together 
to something that's well in my mind mediocre i wouldn't say it was rubbish it's it's brave it's a very brave model um yeah that they've produced but i i just i like the beetle i like the design like of it. it 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 it's interesting you know it's got a lot of interesting shapes within the pose of the model but the thing that lets it down is the pose it's it's too static yeah it it just they they could have had some really really nice dynamic pose you know like it it leaning down with its head opening up it's like pincer like to attack uh, you know it instead it just it sat there like it, it's it's i don't even know what waiting to be brought some organic um, throne yeah it's <laughs> waiting for shartor <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> watching another Shartor get sold on Forge World website. <laughs> it, it's there's there's more wrong with the model than there is right. Um, I'll I'll, I'll put it that way. Um, <sighs> so it's it's all down to personal opinion at the end of the day, ain't it? It's oh, well, yeah. But it's it's. So you're going to call hit or miss? Eighty pounds for for that. It's 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 going to be a miss. It, it's, okay. Yeah. As, as much. The, the other thing that really. <clears throat> like secures that miss for me is the fact that it doesn't fit within the theme of you know what well, well, they were like you say that i mean we, you've got to bear in mind we're coming from a, a an old world point of view you know we're still quite active fans of of the old world um and, you know the the age of sigmar stuff for me is a little bit far-fetched um so i think we i, I must admit there probably is a an amount of bias um definitely my opinion um on on some of the newer stuff but as i say without without dragging it on any further i shall uh, button it. okay so we have <laughs> we have a, unfortunately 100 percent miss for Valeria the ever queen <laughs> so she's the ever not um so let's move on to the next sylvaneth release which is which are i should say the kernoth hunters so the kernoth hunters we have three models essentially you can build them from what I uh, believe in three different ways. Or do you get three of them? Not entirely. Bowmen, like great weapons, I guess, and swords. Great swords, oh. scythes, or great bows. Yes. One model can be assembled as a hunt master with a special head crest and weapon, and the kit contains seven additional sprites supplied with three Citadel fifty millimeter mm. round bases, and these are thirty-five pounds for the three. Who wants to kick us off on these? Maybe. Um, Maybe Alan or Mark, you could you could start us off with the Kurnoth Hunters. Straight off the bat, um, I will say for me, these are a definite hit. Um, just for the fact that uh, the, the the amount of conversion opportunities available to these guys, not just for, for you know for for the for the Elven forces, but um, let's say uh, to be used as, as demons in a in a corner or any eye, you know, just a little bit of green stuff could turn those guys into um, phenomenal models. But overall, yeah, I, you know, I like the poses, uh, the the amount of uh, extra bits that come with them. You know, you got the, the sort of the two handed weapons, the large swords, uh, bows, um, great detailing overall. Um, and I say, yeah, for for me, straight off the bat, I'm I'm happy to say I would be more than happy to put thirty five pounds down for for those guys, um, especially with them being on, you know, fifty five millimeter bases, was it fifty millimeter? Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, large, three largish models for, for thirty-five pounds. Um, really nicely detailed. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm happy with that. Really happy with that. Pass it over to Alan. He's probably got the. Uh, well, probably we we, we, we do attract the opposites, don't we, Mark? We do. We do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't really know, to be honest. Um, I, the thing I will say is probably the best thing I think 
about it is the sprites. Um, <laughs> 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 it's just really weird because I really, I really like dryads. Like the whole aspect of uh, you know, like a, a, a um, spirit um, wood elf list. You know, always fascinated me you know and when they brought out the plastic treeman wow that was uh wow but i, I don't know I'm, I'm on the fence really with these um they're certainly interesting i don't like the ones with bows i will be perfectly honest i think the best ones are the scythes okay yeah um, i don't really know to be honest okay oscar what do you say uh I actually really like these models. Um, first of all, I'm going to say my first impression. For anyone who played Skyrim, this just reminds me of all the kind of the spirits yeah. that you get, the wooden, yes. the, the horrible little things. Horrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, but these just remind me of these, and I really like them. The weapons are really cool, the way they've got these, the holes in them. I think that just makes them look really cool. The, uh, the sides, I'll, I'll just agree, I'm just going to say that they are the coolest, uh, figures. The ones with the sides. But um, I like all of them. I like the poses. I like the way that... I've always sort of liked um, the the wood nymph idea and the kind of the fact that they are made of trees and old bark. It, it's, it's really cool. The only thing that I'm going to say, which is a bit annoying, is if you need, wanted all three uh, squadrons... I'll call them squadrons. If you wanted swordmen, bowmen, and sides, then that's going to be over 100 quid. Of stuff which kind of sucks. Yeah, I mean, for me, they're they're a bit of a mixed bag. So, I think the hunters with the great swords. Actually, I'm a little bit on the fence with. I want to like them more than I actually do, but I think that may be the way they're painted. There. Uh, I then went on to the the second picture was of the bowmen, and I just thought, no, these are terrible. Those great bows, I really don't like it. It kind of I don't know, it makes it almost like too anthropomorphic. Mm-hmm. And well, can I say something? And the unfortunate these? thing is mm-hmm. you've got these little sprites which are sort of like buggy beetles things with like little wood bits that's carrying the extra arrows. Unfortunately If you the, look at the size of the arrows yeah, and look where the they're yeah, placed in the quiver. <laughs> the arrow looks like it's about six foot long. Um and there's about eight eight inches of depth <laughs> uh, for the arrow in these beetle things. So it's like either they're magical uh Come on, which it, is which yeah, is, is this magical? Is the, you know, how magical? Or <laughs> <laughs> that beetle is um, in great pain. <laughs> yeah, which is a shame because I actually do quite like that little beetle thing. And actually, that's quite a good concept. So again, I think conceptually, that's it's good, but it's a bit of a mess there. I would actually just clip that whole wooden bit off with those arrows and just have those as little beetly sprite things, and then they'd look really good. But I would agree, again, the scythe guys... Really nice, and that really shows them off. I think uh, the best. I really like elements like the way you can see through them. You so you can actually, if you turn the three hundred and sixty of the scythe guy, you can actually see his scythe through his chest. So I didn't realise before that those are actually completely hollow all the way through. I think that's a really nice. You wouldn't really want to be fighting them because that kind no, of just shows that well, if you kind stab of gives them, the it's like that it's like a bar. Oh. And, you know, there's no <laughs> sort of you know these are spirits. This sort of really. I really like the ring fire. Lots. Of yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think the paint job on on the scythe one. Yeah, uh, the photo of the three of them. I, that's also the like the best. Yes. Scheme, and it, I don't know if that just brings them out better. But the the, the swordsman, I, I just you can obviously tell they've gone for an autumn feel on it. But it just yeah, they, it looks like fire. It does trees of it? fire. Mm. Yeah, and then it looks like moulded fire, which always sucks. 
whereas I think you're right. The again, the paint scheme on both the individual scythe guy and the three. I mean, the three actually show what I really like about them as well is that you've got this one sort of static guy who's stood there quite in menacing pose, but the other guys have a really good sense of motion. Really? You know, they look like they're running towards you. I mean, you wouldn't want them running towards you. They're pretty <laughs> nasty. Um, so I think you know, as a as a multi option box. This is a really cool box and for £35. Like you say, three pretty large miniatures puts into perspective you know, some of these others. Now, I saw a really interesting YouTube uh, from a guy in the States whose name I can't remember so I do apologise, who was talking about Games Workshop's pricing strategy and it's a really interesting view on it because basically the way that they're pricing is if you need more of them, they will price them lower. And if you need fewer of them, they price them higher because they know they're only going to get one hit off of you, which to me is a very, very cynical way of doing things. But we will actually come back to that, so hold that thought. So this, I think, is a reasonable price, um, actually, for these minis. And if I were into Age of Sigma, I don't think I'd hesitate to drop £35 to get a unit of these guys. But I know you, and you'd want all kind, all three different types of them. <laughs> yeah, I would want to magnetise them somehow so I could get three bites of the cherry. So yeah, I, I think they are, a, for me, they're a hit. I think they're, they're good. They're good conceptually. I think they've been executed quite well. And I just I think it's a shame, really, that they've led with that sort of autumn feel on fire. Great sort mm. guys, because I think with a better paint job, those would be mm. a better selling feature for them. So, hit or miss, Oscar? Mm. Uh, definitely hit again. Um, just, I really like the poses, uh, if my painting skills were as good as these people's, then I would give them good paint jobs and they'd look cool. Um, just looking at the three bow guys, actually, I don't think the singular one has a very good pose, because the one who's standing, who's look, who looks like he's just shot his arrow, he looks really cool, actually. But uh, no, definitely a hit for me. Okay. Uh, Mark and Alan. And Alan go first. Yeah, I think they just score a hit. And that would be buying one box set and building them as the scythe guys. Um, they're interesting. I'm mm-hmm. still kind of on like the fence as a whole, um, but I think yeah, 35 quid. It looks like they're about 80, 80 millimeters tall. Maybe I'm just trying to turn the base on its side. For, yeah, you know, maybe about six, 70 or 80 millimeters tall. So they're a good size. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, and pretty reasonable for for, yeah. for what you're going to get. But yeah, I'd, I'd personally one box set and mm. three sides. Unless they were really good, in which case I'd get loads of box sets and have loads of sides. <laughs> <laughs> and, set, and then sell the bits at uh, a game show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh dear. But yeah, uh, for me, I'm definitely a hit. Uh, as I said earlier, you know, I, I like uh, I like all of the models. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fantasy fan, uh, and just for the the fact that again, with it being a large plastic kit, the the conversion possibilities as well. Yeah. Um, are just the, the infinite almost. So yeah, um, just on on all the points raised, hundred percent hit. Okay, so we have a solid hit for Games Workshop for Age of Sigma. Oh I my think that's god! Possibly the <laughs> first hundred percent hit for it. But of course, because they call them Eels and Sylvaneth, and it's Age of Sigma, they're automatically miss. But no, that, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. So yeah, I, they're definite hit, and um, yeah, wow. There's a tenant for the books, eh? So, that brings us on to... <laughs> uh, I, if I can say this correctly, the Dreika Hammerdreth. 
Sorry, the way Dread the down. way you have to say Hammerdreth. Hammerdreth. The Draco Hammerdreth is £35, the same price as our previous solid hit. I don't think this is going to have the same result from me. Well, when I f- when you first showed me this model earlier, the first reaction I had was to laugh at it. Because the first thing I look at is this little gr- blue person who's just laughing at me. And I don't know if that's the desired response, because I think it's meant to look creepy or whatever, but I just think it looks funny. Yeah, so, I mean, just to give our listeners who may not be looking at this model... Uh, if it's kind of a dryad in a, a wood mech suit, it would mm. be my kind of overall take on it. Dreadnought. Yeah. Dreadnought. <laughs> yeah, a wooden dreadnought. Um, <laughs> and th- th- there are several mm. things I don't like about it. I mean, one is Honeycomber's armor. Only several. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm being kind. It does look like, uh, I think she is meant to be menacing, but she does look like she just got this goofy sort of smile. smile. <laughs> um, mm. I don't know what the belly button's about, the, the burning belly button. She's got to be careful. I mean, she's going to set fire to herself um, in a minute. And unfortunately, <laughs> the front view that they give you is the best view of the model, because when you start turning it around, uh, you see that actually... Yeah, what, what's the little tail about? Well, and also Ooh. you've got this... So you've got a honeycomb, for one, which... Which is so much... Like, it's so strong. Yeah, I mean, so much wood's not wood. particularly strong. No, so what, should we, what can we make to make this harder? Let's put bee honeycombs on it. You have bees flying out of it, and when you turn it round to the side, you see these are lines of bees that come out from the model, which instantly make it almost impossible to take anywhere with if you want to ever retain them. I mean, it's just... Uh, yeah, it's got vines coming out of its <clears throat> groin. It's uh, <laughs> I don't know what they were thinking of, really. The only thing I keep seeing in, in the sorry in in, in the uh, the left leg as you look at it is from from, from a, the the angle where you can just see it come in yeah. place. It looks like a little screaming baby. Wait, turn it round. <laughs> I don't think we can see this. <laughs> <laughs> If you put it like oh, yes. it forward, then go to the side one, it looks like a little screaming baby wrapped up in a blanket in its leg. <laughs> That's what the honeycomb is covering up. Screaming babies power this thing. Oh, no. It's like Monsters Inc. I don't, I don't think it's meant to be that. When you've got to take care of your child, but you've got to go to war. <laughs> oh, you, you can turn the model upwards as well. You, you don't. You can, it's not just spin it around. You can go over it. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realise that. Still looks like a screaming um, baby, though. It's, it's a wooden lightsaber. <laughs> I mean, it does sort of have a little sort of tail, doesn't it? That's it. Just yeah, I didn't notice that before. Oh, it's like Beyonce, a tiny beetle. That's it's not good. <laughs> I mean, mm. the good po- points about this model are the packaging. I, I <laughs> comes in a cardboard box. Uh, I, yeah, I haven't bought it. Um, <laughs> It kind of has a sense of motion, I guess. Yes. Why would you need bees if you had massive scythes? Like, it's for claws. I don't know. I mean, I think I can understand what the remit was. I they just executed it very badly. <laughs> well, I think the remit was a bad one. <laughs> um, I mean, even the, the sort of spirit in the in the tree... Uh, just... the, the the thing that just totally eradicates that model for me is the spirit in the tree. It's if it was just some giant kind of tree, 
like a, a tree, you know, yeah. that would yeah, just... Yeah, like, like with a treeman head or, or something inset in its body. Uh, that would be mint. I, yeah. I think it could... I, that could the work. ironic thing the, is the actual... that Games Workshop made... The, I mean, the previous models these did have those big treeman things, which were really cool. Yeah. yeah. And this is what it's become. It's tragic. <laughs> it is, yeah. I, I, I think, like, a, a concept... <clears throat> the way... Because it's obviously meant to have some kind of range of... T- the, the bees are there as a. Uh, I, I, don't know, I don't play Age of, of Sigmar, and I, I don't know the rules for this, but I, I, I can you know, envisage that it has this range attack. Now, if you wish it to have a range attack, it does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you've got a beard, it has two. Um, but the, I, the, the way that I could like see this model is, is they already had a model that was well a bit bigger than this one, I think, but that worked was the Treeman. So why not utilize something that worked and adapt it to make it even more awesome? Now, yeah, the beehive things are quite vulnerable. So what they should have done is have like a spawning on the back of a treeman and then the bees kind of wrap round and through. Oh, that would just be. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this and again, this, this part of the models that I really like because I hate to say it, but for me, this is giving a very sort of Slanesh vibe from it. Now I know Slanesh is AWOL in Age of Sigmar. Um <clears throat> But I think that could look really, you know, with it with a, a bit of work, um, would make a really cool chaos model. And that's that's the that's the only thing I can, I, you know, I'm looking at it. I, I don't like the the, the the honeycomb, the bees, um, but with a little bit of of paintwork and you know a little bit of conversion, I think that would make a really cool sort of, uh, of chaos model. But I don't know. I've been I've been saying that a lot about yeah <laughs> about their entire range. Yeah, and again, you know, would you spend thirty five pounds on a model that you are then going to heavily convert and not use a lot of exactly. stuff? Probably not. I mean, for me, it's a miss. I just think conceptually, it, it's a bad yeah. concept. It it's not a good rendition. It's got a lot of problems. I uh, um, join you on that one, Alex. Well, yeah, it's a big model, also... and it's only thirty five pounds. I mean, I know that's too much for it, but generally, these things would be a lot more. From and I bet people will buy it with that kind of rationale, but without realising that it's still £35, pounds, you know, which is a good meal. So, yeah. Well, yeah, I think we all know what I'm going to say. It's a yeah. miss. So, unless there are anybody who's going to detract from miss, no. uh, solid miss there. So, uh, I, I think there's some cool ideas, certainly some cool ideas, but just executed the wrong way. Okay, so the next, um, and I think we'll take them both together. Uh, next couple of models are the Sprite Revenants and the Tree Revenants. Principally because they are, I believe, the same kit which you can just make in two different ways. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Yeah. Yeah. Sprite Revenants, I must admit... They're just smaller mistakes of the last model we looked at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably a good summary of it. I mean, I, it yeah. looks like, I don't know, someone... It's you know, like two people worked on the same model. <laughs> to me, what it is, is you're going to a fancy dress party and you want to go as a tree revenant and you get your, your little parcel through Amazon.aos.com um, in your fantasy world and you realise it's only got two thirds of the parts but you can't get another one because the party's tonight <laughs> so, so you, you go, go anyway. anyway. <laughs> um, it just doesn't... It looks like somebody wearing a bit of a suit. Um, it looks a bit stupid. I you know think. that game you play where you fold up a piece of paper and one person draws the head and <laughs> yeah. the other person draws the body? Yeah, I mean, they've folded it in half the wrong way. <laughs> well, no, because look, the arms are like oh, ghostly. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah, the, the arm on that guy is sort of a tree bit. 
I mean, it just looks like... To me, these look like they're kit-bashed kits, but badly done. Like we said last time, I think these would be really cool if they were completely tree. And they could be, like, smaller trees. Which, again, going back to the old uh, Wood Elf models, you had some really cool models. The Dryads, yeah. Yeah. They were great models. And I actually used them for Chaos as well. They were ultra-convertible, really (laughs) nice models. They were brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Why were they gone? I I, I don't think this army needed these models. Yeah, I'd agree. Like, how old are they? Dryads, they're pretty darn old now, and they still stand up as like a cool plastic kit. You know, well, they they used in Age of Sigmar, but I, I it just looked like they're trying to bulk out an army yeah. book here. And the yeah. tree revenants are, yeah, they, they, yeah, are they, kind they, of the the other. Okay, so you wouldn't build them as sprite revenants; you'd go for tree revenants. Um, and they suffer for me from the same kind of issue. Um, they're better, <laughs> I think, than the sprite revenants. But that could just be the paint job. I mean, it's well, less they've got weapons for a start. So. Oh, well, that's the thing. <laughs> um, I mean, there's one of the comparisons there with it against the dryad, and the dryad just wins. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. You're right. Uh, just have a look at how our old mo- our old models are still better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if if they did anything, they should have just updated the dryad. Yeah. You know, to, to bring it into line with the design of the other... Because the, the thing with the Dryads is that's changed slightly is the aesthetics of, you know, the wood. If you look at the things from the Treeman onwards and into Age of Sigmar, it, it's different to how the Dryads are mm. from then. Yeah. And I think bringing them into line would have been a stronger position than creating these two Abominations. units. Yeah, they're just... Well, but then is that because the, the new aesthetic is just bad? <laughs> because if you look at the dryer I, I, I don't think and the the way the wood's been done you know, it's kind of believable that it's it, kind it, of between I I actually kind of like the new aesthetic organic really I I, I like the it's new a bit too stony to me way like of it the thing that I don't like is the guy hanging out of it yeah, yeah. I, I, I should agree with that a solid tree I think that's the thing that just totally lets the whole design down mm. is it's, it's just that if that was just all tree That'd be wicked. I, I think I would like that. Yeah, I mean, actually, if with keeping the weapon, but if his arm was tree and the body was tree, uh, effectively, if they looked more like those um, Kurnoth hunters. Yeah. If they were smaller. Yeah, yeah baby, baby yeah. versions of those. Uh, smaller versions of those. But these just go straight against the grind of. Uh, it, it's just a, a, an amalgamation of tree and elf, isn't it? At the end yeah. of the day, that's yeah. But th- there was a reason why trees and elves were. This is why. Okay, so I don't think we need to do a round poll to find that that's a mess. No. <laughs> but let's end on a high, because the last one we want to look at is the branch witch. And I'll start off by putting my money where my mouth is and saying, I think this is a really nice model. Yeah. I think it's really got good posing. It's £14. It's a single mini, 32mm round base. So it's a relatively small mini, but it is very cool. It's all tree. It's got this kind of weird millipede, centipede thing going with it on its back. It's got this great scythe again. And the thing I like about this is it's not over-fetished. It's quite simple. It looks menacing. It's got a good pose. It doesn't have its foot on a rock. <laughs> there isn't a skull on the base at all. In fact, there's no skull there anywhere. It just looks 
to me, if everything in this army looks like this, I'd be tempted to get into this game. Mm. Yeah, but th- th- this is what I was saying with updating the dryads, because this is essentially yeah. a dryad. Right. And yeah. so t- t- to have that box set like these, I think this miniature is stunning. The, the price is on the high end, I think, but, you know, you're going to buy one of them. And yeah. just everything about this model just screams sweet as to me. Yeah. Like you say, it's not it's not overly done, but it's going to look distinctive on the battlefield. That you know you're going to see, you're going to notice it. Um, yeah, this 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 just gets pure win from me. Mm. Uh, I I personally would cut the millipede off. Um, I'm not a fan of it. But oh, I wonder if actual... it's separate because you might. Oh, it is. You get, you could put it on the base. Oh, excellent. There you go. So that yeah, yeah that. that for me, then, um, is a solid hit. As I say, the millipede's cool, but I just don't want it on, on the model. On the shoulder. <laughs> exactly. That's some sort of token pet. <laughs> it's pretty much everything that we wanted from the other models, really, isn't it? Because yeah. we were talking about how they should just all be wood. They should be uh, fluid in their yeah. movement and stuff. The, my only problem with it was the centipede again. I said on the base, but seeing as you can do that anyway, that just makes it better. So, yeah, it's definitely a hit for me. Yeah, I think uh, from my end, it's uh, an absolute spot on the hit. Yeah, hit from me as well. I can remove the uh, the millipede, so I'm happy. Okay, so there are a few things I want to cover on the 40k side of things. Now, I don't know about you guys, um, we haven't played 40k for Ooh. some time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I'm not really sure about how new these releases are. It's quite interesting, though, because we left it quite a long time ago and we haven't looked at it again so it'll be interesting to see what how far it's come well and the ones i want to have a look at um basically are in the horus heresy range um yes i think these are actually from the betrayal of at uh cal box they've just released them okay okay that makes sense so let's start off with the space marine heroes and here you have Two Terminator size models, I believe. Oh no, one is on a 40mm, one is on a 32. 32. But the bulk of them, they're both sort of Terminator size. Two Space Marine heroes. Uh, So you have a Terminator captain and a chaplain. Now, these are both, for me, pretty nice models. Obviously Horus Heresies, the earlier mark of uh, power armour. You know, they fit quite nicely with some of the older models and overall not too much to say about them more than that really what i wanted to talk about here is the price <laughs> so these are two models uh <laughs> i say one on a terminator base one on a standard base these are 30 pounds for two models ouch mm. ouch indeed but you say ouch but yeah we talk about the branch witch and that was 14 pounds Indeed. Mm. So, and this kind of brings up what I wanted to speak about because the branch which I almost mentioned it, but I thought we're speaking about it right now. Again, I don't want to talk too much about the models uh, because I want to just quickly go to the next set, which are the Cataphracti Terminators. These are forty pounds, but this time you get five Terminators. Five. Okay. So for ten pounds more, you're now getting two and a half times as many, but obviously still big. Bulky is the older style Terminator armour, which if you read the fluff was discontinued because of lack of movement and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then the third one of these sets that I want to have a look at are the Mark IV Space Marines, who are £30, but you get 10 
And really what I want to talk about, not so much these models, because actually I really quite like these Space Marines. They're sort of standard Space Marines, but in the older style armor. So you've got good detail, you've got good options. But it's really this pricing policy, right? So £30 for 10. Games Workshop know you're going to need more than one squad of tactical Marines. £40 for 5. You may get one or two sets of Terminators. £30 for 2 minis, where you're only ever going to need to buy one of those sets. The same with the Branch Witch. I don't know much about Age of Sigma at all, uh, but I'm guessing you probably only need one Branch Witch. Mm. So they're going to charge £14 for a mini that, obviously, in actual production terms, isn't going to cost more than, I don't know, a pound to make or something. Because you can make equally detailed, equally uh, as gorgeous minis, well, be- which are selling for £3 each in a Mark IV Space Marine set. So this is this kind of cynical point that I wanted to, to pull up it was highlighted in this American Chaps YouTube video about this pricing policy of it's not the cost of making these and designing these is irrelevant. It's what do we think the customer can bear and how much are they going to buy of this? Mm. I, I think it's a scale of them both. I mean, you know, I, I can sit and talk um, from a plastic injection molded point of view. You know, I've, I've, I've had some, some, some molds made. And, and that's... Kind of why I wanted you to get get your uh, view on it because you have that experience. We are just consumers, <laughs> so it's 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 a factor of both though because you know tooling costs are still expensive, and you know it, it's like you say you're only going to want to buy one box set of them. So if yeah. there's a thousand people that want to buy this, then you know they've made well coincidentally thirty thousand um, pounds, <laughs> but. The the flip side of it is is like the tactical marines, like you say, people who want three to four squads of them. So the 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 pricing of that is that there's just a lot more. So it's they've got to cover their costs, and you know we can sit and just say, oh well, a plastic sprue costs pence to make, literally pennies. Tooling doesn't, you know, that would be a, a just, just to you put know, that a, a, in because uh, some people aren't familiar with the, the the tooling term. It's basically just you know how they make yeah. the sprues up. You know, the cost of getting the sprues made um, is, is the tooling. So I'm um, sorry, Alan, I'll let you dive. Yeah, in. and it's it's just that you need to cover those costs. So the costs of running Games Workshop as, you know, a whole, you've got staff, you've got, um, well, everything associated with business. And so you've got to look at how many of those you're going to sell to your operating costs. So... If I, if if you only get, you know planning to sell less, you're going to have to bump the price up. Um, it's it's just the scalability of it. You know, even, even if you put those at ten pounds for the two models, you're probably only going to buy one box set, maybe a second box set to convert for a bit of fun. But but that's it. And it's yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, I'm just having a look here what the actual sprues are here, and I think. It's a single sprue for the Space Marine Heroes. Yes. Yeah, it is. Uh, a reasonably small one. Mm. And for the Terminators, it's two. Two, probably twice the size. But but then you, you've got to think um, about the scalability of, of sales. So if you look at other single clamshell packs of characters, you know, they are about 10 to 15 pounds, depending upon, you know, when they were released, shall we say? Um, so you've got to fit within that, conf- you know, that that conformality of of your pricing structure individually. If you look at these 
compared to the clamshell packs, they're actually not priced any different. When you actually then start to look down at yeah. squads and all this stuff, then all of a sudden you think, hold on, I'm getting 10 miniatures or I'm getting two. I think this is where some of, some of the, the, the sort of animosity comes because, yes, in, in the past you could get these sort of clamshell uh, fine cast or metal miniatures for a certain price. And the general. Oh, I'm, cons- I'm on about the, the plastic ones now. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying the general consensus of plastic is it's supposed to be cheaper. So, you know, why are you then getting two models for the same price as the metal slash resin models that, you know, when, when really they, they should be, uh, when it comes down to just production costs, they are a lot cheaper to produce. So um, yeah. I think that's that's the sort of angle um, a lot of people look at it. And I think also when you look at um, Betrayal of Calth, which obviously is two-player box set cost 95 pounds it includes <laughs> both of the heroes all of that uh, it contains <laughs> yeah. a contemptor dreadnought the terminators two two squads is and it, is it no it's just just five terminators uh, but it does contain i mean the the marines 30 marines yeah 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 but but that's that's part of the upscaling isn't it because if you were a new customer mm-hmm. And you go, oh, you know, I want to start a 30k army. Where are you going to go, you know, for that? So you're going to go for the Battle of Cal box set because it's just value. If you look at any starter box, yeah, any starter box, they're always good value because they're meant to be, because they're meant to attract people into purchasing that product. Um, This is just, I think they've just released these because, well, they already have the tools made because of the Battle of Cal. And it just, makes a little bit of sense and is yeah. it leading to something bigger for the horus heresy you know I, mm-hmm. I i don't know on that that front but it's it's interesting the the, the price point is mm-hmm. an interesting one even so though let's let's i mean i can i can understand um, just to take up that point i can understand them pricing these as you've explained uh, if they were just doing these as you know yeah. here's our 30k releases this is what it costs tooling costs, blah, 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 a big organization, all that kind of stuff. You know, I know how big companies work. I still think they're making huge profit margins on these, but I can understand the rationale. Oh, God, yeah. However, like you say, they've got the two-player set, which is value. It uh, has basically half of the cost and then some. I'm guessing they've made their money back on their their toolings already, (laughs) just based on that box set. And then you think, well, so why then are they trying to make it like they're making their money back on these individually when they've already done that? It's like saying bringing out, if they brought out the old orc molds, which coincidentally they have, for current prices, (laughs) you think, well, these are old molds. You know, it's like, why are you bringing out and trying to make 21st century profits on something which was released decades ago. Uh, it just, ago. you know, it is a kind of, do they think I'm an idiot? <laughs> well, that I'm not sure you'll like the answer. <laughs> Who is this aimed at? You know, it's that kind of, mm. it's the jaded, yeah. cynical Englishman in me that thinks, hmm, I'm not sure. <laughs> but you've, well, you've, got, you've made a, a perfectly valid point because, you know, totaling up all the... the st- all the, the models on there for the starter set is £195. Whereas if you just bought the starter set, you know, so again, that's, as you said, £95. So why would you spend £90 on 30 Marines when you can spend £95 on 30 Marines, a, a Dreadnought, Terminators, and the Heroes as well? Yeah. Um, it's just... That that aspect of it is complete, completely mind-boggling. Um, yeah, I would just try buy another Betrayal of Cal set. But of course you would, exactly. Sell the Contempt of Dreadnought and the extra Marines on eBay or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. You've covered your costs. 
Yeah, yeah exactly. So uh, it's a it's a bit bizarre to me, uh, to be honest. I, yeah. I think it's one because it, you've got to think that Games Workshop already have an existing price structure that mm, 10 tactical marines for 40k are 30 pounds so if you then all of a sudden release 10 mark 4 space marines for horus heresy at 20 pounds people are going to be like well why are the 40k ones more yeah so they, they've already got a predetermined price structure that these models have to fit in yeah which is as i say it's it's not good you know we're not not trying to defend it by any means because it's 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 still a lot of money but um yeah you've nailed it in one you know it seems like they've they've got a certain price structure that they have to fit everything in um even if you can get it cheaper through you know other box sets yeah and you know going to the individual uh models if you were to buy a gray knight's brother captain uh 15 pounds mm. space marine captain 18 pounds space marine captain master of the rights no longer available sold out uh, yeah, I believe that. Captain Lysander's 13, Shadow Captain Kirk Van Shrike, 11 pounds, but he's an old sculpt. You know, so <laughs> it, as you say, it does fit with their uh, existing pricing structure. It's just, again, from yeah. my jaded old cynical side, their, pr- their pricing structure is also one yeah, of the, if yeah. not the most expensive in the industry. I, I, um, I think, I think that it just highlights to a certain degree what, you know, a good value the betrayal at Kauf was. Yeah. You know, well, and still is. It's still for sale, but yeah, which but is the other slightly bizarre part of it in that they've released the individual yeah. ones while the box set is still available. <laughs> so that, they must. I'd love pounds. to see some of the marketing reports within Games Workshop <laughs> that's just like the idiot index. It's like, yeah, we have twelve more people who ordered the individuals, <laughs> doubling our profits for this month. Yeah. <laughs> I think one of the my favourite things about Games Workshop is the way they do the fantastic deals where you can get like three of one thing for another price, but they just add it up. Like, you can get three <laughs> Contempt of Dreadnoughts for £105, which is the same as buying three individual ones. Yeah. It's just to reduce clicks, isn't it? That's, that's what, uh, yeah. what it all was. Yeah, and that reduced click, is, again, points down to do they think we're all idiots, I guess. Yeah. Okay, so hmm. I, I don't know whether we need to do it or miss on the... Um, I'm going to call, actually, those... Those three. That, the, the, the models are a hit, but the prices are a miss. Yeah. I think the individual releases are a miss, yeah. uh, purely because Betrayal at Kalth is there, uh, which I think is a hit. Yeah. <laughs> but come on, you can't be stupid enough to, to buy the individual uh, ones. I won't, I won't repeat what JD Gamecast said about 40k players, um, that they're all idiots. So. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you can even, on, on various, like, uh, well, Facebook groups, and stuff like this, you know, like where they do uh, trades and sales and stuff, you know, you'll find someone that will be splitting a, a Betrayal at Kalth box set, you know, so you'll be able to pick up <laughs> the in detail anyway. Yeah, a hit or miss, Oscar. Individual releases for the heresy. Well, like we said, the models are good, but it's just individual releases while it's out. Is It's a stupid idea, and it, it's kind of just sneaky, isn't it? It's not very nice. Uh, yeah, miss. Okay. Guys, your take? Miss, miss. Okay. <laughs> As I said before, you know, the models were a hit, but individually they're a miss. I just think it's, yeah, they, they, they should have just kept them in the box set and give people the reason for buying the box set. Yeah. yeah. Well, there still is that reason, but, you know, it's <laughs> it just gave that mm. bit of exclusivity, shall we say. But, yeah, it's... It is as it is. Okay, so let's leave Games Workshop and uh, go to Fantasy Flight Games. And here we have, uh, I don't know whether it's actually a new release or just missed it uh, previously. I think it might have just come out as we were recording previously. But we have the Heroes of the Resistance set, which is an X-Wing, one of the new 
T70 sculpts, and the Millennium Falcon, but updated for the Force Awakens. It's actually a slightly, well, fancy flight will tell you it's a, it's a different sculpt. It has a different sensor dish, the square one rather than the round one. Uh, the X-Wing is Poe Dameron's, so it has the, the black and orange colouring. And of course, what really they're selling is they have new cards, so it has a new title, um, you have new versions of, uh, you've got Finn, you've got um, different uh, T-70 pilots, you have Poe. So in typical fancy flight style, you've got a lot of cards to buy with uh, a slightly different version of, of two existing ships. Guys, are you X-Wing players? Uh, I'm sadly not, no. Uh, I've um... watched some games, played some games, but I don't collect it. Okay, so... What do you think about the idea of a uh, slightly different version of an existing product with some new cards that you can't get anywhere else to give you a bit of a, a mm. new challenge or a um, cynically well, a new reason to buy an expensive kit? Yeah. But, well, yes and no, really. Um, if it is the Millennium Falcon, but it is a different version. Slightly. Yeah, you know, so it's it makes sense. It's no different. If you think about it, then like Games Workshop bringing out a new set of tactical marines. Yeah, it's it's the the, the same on that front. Um, Fantasy Flight are good at what they do, um, and you know it will be loved it, and adored it, it, by the uh, by the public. Yeah, as I say, I mean I've got a lot of Fantasy Flight games. I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of Fantasy Flight. Um, I just never really got into uh, into, into X Wing. Um, but as for you know the the, the new expansion. Um, the end of the day they are a business they will, they will try their best to you know sort of fund it however they can um uh, so it's, yeah it's, it's just it's... keeping up with with the new releases isn't it so yeah. obviously the new films come out they've got the uh the new releases from that so yeah i think it's it's uh, the marketing side of things of putting cards in there that are usable elsewhere but you can only get in that box set is obviously a marketing ploy to give people that wouldn't normally normally want those ships to buy in the box set so you know, it's, it's it's to a certain degree fair business practice. <laughs> We've said this before with X Wing that it's a bit of a bugger that you can own, that they do that. I mean, yeah, like you said, it's it's fair play, but um, uh, you get people who do go on and sell the cards for outrageous amounts of money yeah. because they've yeah. bought the kits. Yeah. Um, the only real new thing you're getting in this one is the X Wing, which I could understand because it's a it's a completely different. Well, well, not completely different, but you know, it's it looks it's the new one reasonably it's different. Diamond, so it's got a new paint yeah, it's got a new paint and everything. And it's a cool paint job. The the um, Manalian Falcon, I, I think, is a a bit of a rip off because you're just getting a new radar dish. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently, it says there are all the changes that the ship underwent between Return of the Jedi and the Force Awakens. So the radar the rectangular dish. sensor array. <laughs> while this is likely the first change you may notice the difference, it's not the only one. Isn't the top turret? It looks pretty much the same. Wasn't there a change made on the top turret? Uh, I think without actually maybe. having our Millennium Falcon there, it does somehow. It looks different. I couldn't tell you exactly how. It's because um, it's more black on the uh, exhausts at the end. Yeah, and it's got little red bits which it didn't have before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, to me, this is a little bit older. like. Uh, the Simpsons episode with Malibu Stacy, where they give her a new hat, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, 
in some senses, because these are... I mean, the X-Wing is identical to the T-70s that they've already made. Yeah, but it's Apart got the from, paint. it's got... <gasps> you get BB-8. BB-8. <laughs> yeah, so very, very small difference there. Uh, but it's it's got a new paint job, and the paint job is cool. This is $40 for this set, so... Cook, cover it, probably be about, 40 pounds. About £40, pounds, yeah, <laughs> exactly. You might get it 35 If not, if not yeah. Now I'm just scrolling back through here just to see how much the old Millennium Falcon is. Millennium Falcon is thirty, but you you only get yeah. Uh, and an X-wing, the new X-wing, I'm guessing is about fifteen. So actually, hmm. not, not too bad on the scale. They're not putting of a, too much of a premium on that. So, uh, and Fantasy Flight are pretty good at holding prices for all mm. of their individual bits and yeah. kind of ramp stuff yeah. up. So I think. I think if you're a new player to the game, you've got into it with the new X-Wing uh, Force Awakens. Then this would be a brilliant so, buy, actually. This is a great one. Yeah. Or if you don't have the Millennium Falcon or one of the new um, X-Wings. Which, sadly, we, why we, we do have a... We do have a Millennium Falcon. <laughs> um, yeah. So there might be, it might be a good time, guys, to look on eBay if you want to pick a Millennium Falcon. Yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> uh, there might be a fair few out there. But no, this is a... Uh, I'm sort of in two minds about this because mm. it is a bit of, you know, yeah, but it's got a new hat. Yes. For buying a new ship. Yeah, there's some differences, but... but like you said ones. earlier, a lot of X-Men players will be drawn to this because of the unique cards. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... Which I'm not sure is a good or a bad thing. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, obviously these aren't actually released yet. Uh, Fantasy Flight having you know, they do a good job of projecting massively into the future the new releases so you can hype. And undoubtedly there will be increased uh, articles on Fantasy Flight's website about exactly mm. what the manoeuvre dials are and how to use it and all that kind of stuff. It's not too bad. I don't see it as a massive money grab. No. Um, it's just a little frustrating. I mean, the, the Force Awakens has been out for quite a long time, though. You know, it's not like as soon as it came out and the Millennium Falcon's only been out a couple oh, yeah, of months yeah, or something. Yeah. You know, Millennium Falcon's an old ship an old card so i don't think this is too bad to be honest i'm probably erring more on the side of hit i think i would agree with you on that one i, mm. I think it's just because you know we're, we're we're a bit prone to kind of like just being a little bit uh mistakes mean. were made <laughs> <laughs> i think I'm, I'm i'm on the the hit side quite firmly really um because it's not fantasy flights problem if that makes sense that this has happened yeah it's obviously the creators and the designers and stuff who did star wars they've got a license they have to replicate stuff to the same you know i think the fact that they've added new cards in there and that they've they've it's not just literally a change of model it is a change of the entire like contents of the box set um it's not priced unreasonably um you know like you say it's in line with what the old box set was and in fact saving a little bit on the uh t70 so yeah i i, I think it's it's perfectly in line yeah, quite nicely um, with, with what they're doing. And I'm, I'm, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Um, I like, you know, all, all the ships that have been well, produced for Fantasy Flight have been brilliant. Uh, it's just to say, we we just haven't had the time to play it. Really, that's that's the, the be all and end all. So um, yeah, I'll still I'll I'll quite happily say a hit just you know because I, I like the models um, and not not having to paint them is always a plus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we get a, a thumbs up for Fantasy Flight and a hit with their um, heroes. The resistance. So, which brings us on to the last little hit or miss, which isn't a new release as such, but it's fairly new to me. You've seen these before. I have. But these are called ACO dice. A K O 
and they're just very, very cool dice. <laughs> yeah. So they don't have traditional dots, they have these bars, and they actually go over two faces, and you really have to see them to to get the explanation of really what they look like. But they're just very cool. This was they were, they were originally a Kickstarter, uh, which is a nice segue into our next subject, obviously. But they're now available just from aco-dice.com, and they're relatively expensive. They're $19 for a pair. If you buy more than three pairs, then shipping's free. So I think they're also doing, with their new dice, the ACO2, you can also get 10% off with a, co- a code, which you can look up on the Kickstarter site. And that applies whether you backed it or not, which is quite good. So three pairs of dice will, you mm-hmm. can actually get for like $51, free shipping, uh, which is about £35, £38 in the current exchange rates. So they are metal, and they're 19 millimetre, I believe. 16 millimeters, sorry. So they're fairly big, pretty chunky dice and metal. So it's, you know, that feel nice expensive, to roll. <laughs> but not that too much out of line, actually, with if you go and buy metal dice from a, a vendor at a, a gaming show, actually, for their size. So what do we think to these guys? Uh, the Echo Dice one with the, the sort of the lines are, are very sort of cyberpunky, yeah. uh, very futuristic, uh, straight off the bat. I I love it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely love that 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 sort of uh, futuristic style to them. Um, and to be honest with you, I'm very tempted at this moment just to buy a pair now. Yeah, <laughs> um, they are they are phenomenal. I'm I'm really impressed with them. Um, machine. Oh, sorry. When I saw them, my initial uh, actual impression was to buy uh, three. That's how I know you can buy three and get free shipping. <laughs> <laughs> three sets because uh, if you buy, you choose the color. Um, individually. So in a set of two, you can change. So I actually chose silver and black, and then you can just do quantity three. So then you get, because <laughs> <laughs> uh, your packs are different. So that's three of each. Um, I'll say one thing that I liked about this was the, the customization of it, because the amount of colors available and stuff is quite, mm. it's very good. And the fact that you can have two different colors, even if you only buy one, one set. Yeah. I mean, you can get, Silver with black bars, black with silver bars. They both look very cool, uh, especially like the silver ones. You can get blue and red, both with silver bars. You get purple and green. You can get rose gold and gunmetal, uh, stainless steel and gold brass. <laughs> they, they're just they're very, very cool. They're, these have real desirability Absolutely. factor, I think, don't they? Mm. For me, I think they're a hit, but purely because they, they have that Buy yeah. with your heart factor straight away. Yeah. If you like any sort of futuristic, <laughs> it, it's got that sort say, of Deus Ex, really um, cool system shock style yes. yeah. look to it on the Echo one. So definitely, um, a hit. Yeah, a bit cloudy with a chance of meatballs <laughs> when he's drawing all of the the cool lines on things. Yeah, uh, they're kind of a bit like that. You know, yeah, they're expensive, but actually. $19 for a pair of dice. If we hadn't have had Brexit, <laughs> they would be cheaper. <laughs> so curse you guys. You're curse. You caused me to spend more on my dice. <laughs> but even at that, that sort of price. So £38 for six dice, you know, £7, including postage for a dice that size in metal. As I say, it's not far off actually probably what you'd spend at a show anyway. So mm. I think because they, and they're very unique looking. I mean, you get these out. Unless somebody knows about them, then just not... People are like, oh, where, where, where'd you get those? They look really good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Exactly. Hit for me, Oscar. Definitely hit. Pretty much, I agree with everything you just said. <laughs> um, we were just uh, talking about this earlier. Actually, we were trying to make up excuses and reasons to buy them. <laughs> it was like, okay, now what games use little dice? Yeah, only <laughs> one or dice, two. Yeah. Um, and they come in a box as well with a cool presentation box. Just go and buy them, these things, guys. Absolutely. <laughs> My, my own, I really like them. I, and, oh, you know, I, I saw, I saw the Kickstarter. I just see things from there another perspective. That's all. Hill joint. My only problem. <laughs> it's always good to have the alternate view. With them is is for, for this is me personally. I don't play any games with a D six. That might be an issue. <laughs> so if, if you look at the games that are out there now, they start to veer away from D six. You've got X-Wing, has a custom D8. Uh, you've got Infinity, D20. D20s are becoming the flavour of the month. Um, and D6 really falls away from that. But then if you look at the games that do predominantly use D6, is um, Age of Sigma, Warhammer 40k. Yeah, they use I was say, dice. if you bought well, I mean, for, for these like kind the- of dice to play on Warhammer, you'd probably be spending more money on your dice than your army, and that's saying something. Well, and we, we play a lot of Spartan games which use D6, but they're exploding. Massive handfuls big of dice. buckets of dice, and then you've got to throw more dice. So yeah. 30, 35 dice wouldn't be <laughs> common. But then look at War Machine, for example. That would be a good, yep. um, you know, a good, a good system for, for these style dice. So, they, I mean, there is, you know... Yeah, but for for me, if I was to buy these dice, they would sit in a box on a shelf doing nothing. Um, (laughs) I think what they are, they're they're designed, the whole, they're very pleasing. And I I really, really like the dice. You know, they get a hit from me for that. But on the flip side of it, for me personally, yeah, they just never get used. So, yeah, Yeah. that's the only downer. I mean, I think. It would be. I mean, I could see getting a couple for you know. Here are my initiative uh, yeah. dice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or, strange or turns, or something. turns and that kind of thing. Or, or just or yeah. you points. Know, yeah. when you, whenever your commander goes into combat, you just whip your special uh, dice out because it's you know, is your commander, is your hero. He needs some. Uh... Yeah. They have that very feeling of. Um, was it the apocalypse dice? Was it the um, no no? It was the um, Warhammer twenty fifth birthday dice. They were metal, weren't they? And it was just people were complaining when they hit the realm of battleboard. It used to send models flying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, I mean, I guess the alternative is they come in pairs. You could make them into cufflinks. So. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and you never know, though, in the future. I mean, they seem to be doing all right like this. You never know a D twenty could come out. Yeah. Well, now that would be something. Mm. Well, that, that's what I mean. I, I think if they diversify the dice that they do, you're onto a winner there. I mean, for, for me, about me and Mark, you know, absolutely love playing Infinity. Be all over some D20s for that. Okay, so there we go. There's a, there's a Kickstarter in the offing. Yeah, <laughs> listen to us. Which, <laughs> yeah, which comes into... It's a pretty poor segue, actually. 10%, 10% Echo. 10%. <laughs> yeah, pretty poor segue into uh, our, our main topic, which obviously Mark and Alan are on the show for a reason. Uh, and that is, there is a Kickstarter currently running for the world of Shattered Void. So perhaps... Alan and Mark, you could tell us a little bit about the Kickstarter, about Shattered Void, how it all came about, a little bit of background. So perhaps you could just start about how did it happen? I'll let Alan uh, chime in with this. He's the the mastermind behind uh, the project. (laughs) 
Unlimited power. <laughs> um, it it all actually started like five years ago, um, and me and Mark were playing uh, well a lot of Infinity. As I say, we've been Infinity fans for a long, long time. Um, we were having a little dabble about with um, no bolt action was later. Um, we were playing a bit of Eve Online. Mark was showing me the uh, the world of Eve Online, um, and. Um, I actually ran a, a little um, uh, resin casting um, little business um, and it just looked towards um, making a miniature game. And so we, we, you know, we had a bit of a, a sit down and, uh, you know, tried to look at um, gaps in the market um, as well as, you know, what would be interesting, what would be a fun aesthetic uh, to do. And space dogfighting came about. Mm. Um, which was before X-Wing ever was in the public uh, domain um, <laughs> and uh, kind of set about ways there. So we, we started to look at, you know, what would be an interesting way of um, ships interacting um, and just kind of rolling dice, really. Pretty um, much, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, and then, we, you know, if we broke it down into you know um how a ship would operate mm. um how, how we how we think <laughs> yeah yeah so so drawing you know things in from there so they're obviously going to have speeds um they're going to have shields they're going to have you know certain amount of armor and the the thing that we then actually pulled from eve was the capacitor so that each ship um only has a certain amount of power that kind of recharges over time um so which is action point system yeah so it, it was one of those uh, options of mm. that you can't achieve everything you want to achieve so you know you've got to kind of look at what your options are and what's going to be the most effective um and then there was references pulled in from some games that really enjoyed um aeronautica imperialists which is one of my favorite <laughs> like tabletop beer and pretzels um game um so it was just kind of like an amalgamation of, of ideas. Fun, fun ideas from games that we enjoyed um and you know just just yeah. started to form together to create um the game but then alongside that came about the the races the universe so shattered void as a whole is is actually the the universe um much to like 40k as if that makes sense it's 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 the world that surrounds everything um and so then there was work put in to start uh you know exploring the histories of well how would this end up how it would Mm. um but but it all it all originally started out with one little lonely spaceship uh which is actually the draconis heavy fighter um that was the first ship yeah, and and that was previewed at Salute. Sure, two thousand and twelve. Yeah, yeah, it was two thousand and twelve. Um, so yeah, yeah, it was a. Uh, but the, the the White Dragon miniatures was was slightly different back then because um, the the business kind of came about from making boutique like garage kits. So one of the first kits that was actually produced was the Fiddler Mac, um, which was a huge ninety nine piece model. Um, that stood six inches tall, eight inches wide. It was, you know, very formidable mech. Um, and it started yeah. to become apparent that 
we liked our gaming. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we are gamers um, and not like painters, modelers to, to that sense. Um, so, you know, we thought, let's go down the, the game route. Let's stick to what we yeah. know. Well, as I say, it originally started out just as a, as a, a laugh, you know, it's oh, let's, let's, you know, let's see about, probably, you know, sorting some rules out for a, for a spaceship game. Um, and then, as I say, that, that started the, the natural progression of things where, you know, you, you then get on a mechanic, you think, you know, that's actually really good. Um, and then over time that evolves and it just snowballs into this, um, you know, into, into this bear moth we've got today, this, 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 you know, huge amount of ships, uh, a rule set that's, that's, you know, constantly evolving. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been a wild ride. Um, and, and we're, we're, we're chuffed, you know, that the, uh, the, the support we've had on, on Kickstarter thus far, it's been brilliant. Yeah. So, so the Kickstarter is already funded. You've got about a yep. a, a week to go from today. So yep. uh, it's a good time for people out there. If you're wondering, this is piquing my interest. Um, go to Kickstarter, look up Shattered Void, have a look. Um, one of the things I really liked actually uh, about your Kickstarter is you have PDF rules that you can download and try before committing anything. So you can get a feel of, Correct. you know, do I like this game? Do I like how it plays? I mean, we played a game this afternoon mm-hmm. and had a lot of fun. I must say, really nice. Uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. Even yeah. though I lost. So, uh, yes. so I think you need to look at some of the stats, guys. Uh, it can't be me, obviously. Uh, uh, so my heavy fighter as well it was the only surviving model. It was. <laughs> no, so... Tell us a little bit more about um, you know the the type of game, the the scope, length, you know, complexity. Just just flesh that out for for the listeners out there. Well, do you, do you, want, to, do you want to mind me answering this, Alan? Or yeah, no, you if you're far away. So basically, um, we're we're ideally looking. I mean, most most games these days tend to last you know between an hour and a half to two hours um, for a, you know for a, for a decent game. So that's that's the sort of time frame we're aiming at. Um, as for the amount of ships. Um, when we we sort of finally tightened down the rules, we're looking probably between sort of eight to fifteen, eight to sixteen, depending on you know the the force composition, uh, what scenario you want to play. Um, you know, let's say if if it's a a, a scenario where um, one of the, the you know the invading player, the attacking player, has got to destroy um, you know like a, a communications satellite or something, um, they may choose. Um, Various larger ships like the bombers um, to 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 bring down the objective quicker, whereas the defending player might go for a, a, a more uh, like a larger force with a lot of lighter ships like fighters or interceptors just to try and shoot down the the opponents before they they you know finish their objective. Um, so yeah, I mean, in in sort of scope, we're looking at an hour and a half to two hours with you know sort of eighty uh, sorry eight eight to sixteen ships aside. Um, and as as for the the complexity, you know, we, that's something we're going to continue adding um, sort of special rules for ships um, to make them all fulfil, you know, and, and their individual roles within the game. So yeah, um, it, it's one. Sorry, Mark. Um, that, it, it's one to like the the, the rules. Um, we, we've played it for three years now at Salute. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it, it it has. We, we've we've listened to feedback from people that have played it. Um, because one thing when you kind of working on a game is you get very self. Um, well, you lose like your awareness yeah. Yeah. Um, of it. Like, yeah, basically, and so sometimes it's just refreshing to see a viewpoint of. Oh, I hadn't actually thought about that. And part of what this is 
is um, fr- from the offset of um, White Dragon miniatures making games was one of the the founding rules was that the rules will always be free. Um, we would like to do a book down the line that you know people can get, but the PDF will always be free, and there'll always be a print and play available there because. One of the things that really infuriates me as a customer for games is the buy-in. So why should I pay to try out your game if you say your game is so good? And I don't think in this day and age it's difficult to provide free rules and free things to cut out and play with. The, the, The way that we structured the game is that you could play this game with and when it's all finished and the kickstart's finished the rule pack will have print and play and it'll have every ship as counters so you can play with every ship that is currently in the game and you're not limited to just two or three ships that are available um so you can try out whatever army lists you want you can do whatever you want with the game and play it for what it is um and we also um had the belief that if you genuinely enjoy what the rules are, then any hobbyist within this likes shiny things. And <laughs> so you can then go buy the models. But the big thing there is, is that even then, if you're on a small budget, you can buy a few models, but you can still play the yeah. game. Yeah. You're not restricted to, uh, you know, oh, I want to invest in this, but yeah. does that mean I've got to spend X amount? I can't afford it. It, it, At the end of the day, we, we just want people to have fun. Um, you know, that's, yeah. that's that's the be all and end all. You know, that's, and and hopefully, you know, it's it's that's that's what we've we've achieved or achieving. That's a, that's a good mantra, and um, that's quite a nice segue into the models themselves as well. So, tell us a little bit more about the models. What are they? What are they made of? And um, how are you? How are you playing? Protect well. All the the models are made out of. Um, polyurethane uh, resin um so it's it's the likes of, of forge world um you know so it's that high high quality um just picks up all the detail material minimum shrinkage um they they also it's you don't just get the ship model and that's it you get a lot of extra stuff in the pack so you get a custom made flight stand um which is um something that we had like 3d prints of it made and we did some testing and everything and the plastic injection mold for that was done um because they're transparent that mold was done first because i wanted to ensure that the quality of you know a transparent uh mold it has to be right it has to be like a mirror finish so you've got the see-through capability um and that would then set the precedent for the other um tools for, for plastic injection molding going forward um so that's all been good um you also get a set of seven counters um which are numbered one to seven um, which are your maneuvers that your ships can pull um and you get a a hawk widget which is clips on the top of the flight stand uh, where you stick it to the bottom of your ship and it means that you can put your model on the flight stand and remove it for uh, transport or storage and you also get a ship card as well, which pertains all the, the details of the the ship, um, which also fit very nicely into a little um, stat tracker that we've, we've had made. Uh, 
So it's just like a normal kind of uh, standard card size mm-hmm. and it just slots in and it allows you to stat, um, track your different stats for the ship. Um, and also on the back side of it has like special rules, weapons. So everything is within this one little yeah. bundle. Basically, a self, it's like a self-contained unit. It just yeah. allows you to, to quickly, um, you know, you, there's, there's very, very minimal amount of um, sort of number crunching or, or effort required. It's just a case of you know, flick a little little slider, set the stats as you do your ship, and if you need to know the rules, everything's on the back of the card. So, nice yeah, because I think we played with, well, you had four ships, I had five, because mine was slightly cheaper, uh, and I found out why after they evaporated under your fire. Um, <laughs> some of them without even having them moved. <laughs> and there was quite a lot of tracking of, of various bits, especially when I started to ramp up the damage on Oh, the amount of defence that I lost was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, you've hit my ship. I'll just go straight to the damage. Then. Yeah. So, <laughs> and there were some really nice mechanics, actually. Uh, and you mentioned movement with the, the custom base and the, the manoeuvre dial. So we obviously do play yeah. X-Wing, not competitively. We only play it for mm-hmm. fun. Um, and there are sort of elements that are similar to X-Wing, but also different. So Let's just say there's a lot more yes. gambling in X-Wing. Yeah, so on X-Wing, obviously, people will know <laughs> those that play. You have a manoeuvre dial, so you choose your manoeuvre dial before moving. Um, and sometimes, obviously, the, the other player moves, and your manoeuvre is now nothing like what you want it to be. I, say, I feel I felt a lot more in control, like... Like I actually sort of like my guys actually sort of knew what was going on. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> with your game, you actually get the choice of yes, you preset your maneuver, but you can then um, choose which direction you're actually going to turn and how far at, at point yep. of activation. And and yeah, and you can spend as you say your capacitor um, to increase or decrease your movement. So that was a really nice feature that we we liked. Um, and I think the other thing that, that sets it apart from, from something like X-Wing are the, the, the way damage is dealt. So Which I have could, to say is one of my favourite parts. Yeah. I really Perhaps like we can talk that. a little bit about like that, because that's quite unique, I think. Yeah, so um, it, was, it was one thing, um, well, it was like kind of Mark's um, thoughts and processes of, of this. And so um, what we basically did was, was broke down the fact that there's there's different types of of the damage so that there's three damage decks which is a uh, kinetic uh, energy and thermal and they have different effects on on ships so energy is more likely to drain your shields um it still has chances of going through and scoring hits whereas kinetic is literally going to bust yeah straight yeah. through as i found out um, and thermal just kind of a <laughs> Yeah, you know, a little bit of uh, both. Um, So they they were kind of um, broken down into those kind of three generic decks, shall we say. But then within them, well, there's different kind of thermal damage, but it's encompassed within there because otherwise you'd have like 20 decks. Um, (laughs) But it it was an interesting one that, that, um, that we had, like, creating it because yeah. um it, it was actually a um a little rule set we had to play it well mark played about with initially <laughs> um for for fantasy yes um, like a, a, uh, well originally it was a, a sort of a a, a tabletop hybrid of a, or like a role-playing game uh just to to use my my fantasy collection um and the original damage deck was sort of slashing bludgeoning and uh 
piercing damage. Um, but as I say, that then adopted into Shattered Void when we started working on on this. Um, the other cool thing about the, the sort of the damage is, let's say you have, um, I don't know, a, a missile. Um, the the sort of the first part of the damage could be kinetic, so the, you know the, the 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 missile sort of punctures through the the armor, and then it can then do an, an additional, let's say, thermal damage when it when it detonates. So every gun doesn't necessarily have to do one type of damage. It can it can have you know separate types. It could be a some sort of powerful lance beam that you know causes both thermal and uh, energy damage, or it could be a again a, you know a missile that is kinetic and explosive, um, or just some real hybrid alien weapon that just you know does all three. Um, so it just it just allows customization of of, uh, of of every weapon as such. Yeah, um, and it also gives us the chance that in future releases um you know there there may be things such like chemical damage or um you know maybe radiation or something like that so it's 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 we'll see how it goes that's that's you know plans for the future yeah i think you're right i think it does give a a flavor and i think the other thing um knowing what i know now (laughs) i would play differently uh because obviously i was I tend to go for the alien races, don't I? Uh, and I like the aesthetic of the, the alien <laughs> fighters. Um, and knowing now that actually my weapons are really geared around taking your shields down, taking your capacitor down, and less chance of doing sort of direct damage necessarily, um, I would have played differently and not perhaps put my fighters in yeah. quite harm's way that then under sustained <laughs> cannon fire, they got torn to shreds. Yes. Yeah. When Oscar just was like, my kinetic damage is one whole damage followed by two whole then, damage. It's like, mm, that's me done then. <laughs> yes. I mean, the, the EEF are very much um, the sort of the brute force. Um, yeah. You know, the, the humanity is very much a case of, right, there's a wall there. We're going to go through it. Um, whereas the, the sort of the Vitruvians are very much sort of um, you, if you can bring multiple ships to bear against single targets, you'll bring them down very quickly. So they're more sort of death by a thousand yeah. cuts. So uh, yeah, it's it's again this, this that's just with the basic ships you've got. You know, with with the other um, the other ships and whatnot that we're introducing, uh, it opens up a, a, a range of you know a plethora of, of new uh, tactics and and. Abilities. Yeah. So, Next time I'll take an interceptor. Yeah, part, part of the the rules and um, the setup of it is is that you find and pick your scenario and board before you pick your army list. So you know it, you're not going to take loads of really fast um, moving stuff into a dense asteroid field. Yeah, it allows you as the commander to sort of look at what you've, what you know, what what the scenario is, what you're up against, and then tailor yeah, your thoughts to the scenario. Yeah. And I think that is a strength compared to a game like X Wing, which is very much more about deck building. Yeah, you know, the strength yeah. of X Wing is really, and you know, that tends to lead to what I think some of the the bad points of X Wing are in that you know you can create a killer list um, for a particular competition and. And get to the point where it's kind of undefeatable. Um, you know, there's a big thing mm-hmm. about turrets a while back. You know, it says that everything was turret lists because they always won, um, which I don't think is healthy <laughs> for any game. It's like pay to win, isn't it? Yeah, it, it does feel yeah. like that, which, you know, especially when you've bought a collection which doesn't involve that, you think, well, you know. What's the point? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, that, that's what we want to do. You know, we, we want to make sure that you can play with the ships you think are cool. 
and they are they are all useful. Even your basic fighters still have a role, still can perform, um, and and nothing sort of left to the wayside. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, the models themselves look pretty cool. Uh, again, people go to the Kickstarter, have a look. You got some nice painted minis there as well, which is another nice thing to see on a Kickstarter. Sometimes you just see renders or CAD images. Um, it's nice to see physical models that are painted up, you know, on boards. You've got yeah. some gameplay video. You've got a little intro video. So the gameplay video did help. Just <laughs> yep, definitely, just to give a, a, a feel for things, and you know, yeah, it only gives like a, an, a, a like a bit of an overview as to how the mechanics of the game work. Um, one of the nice feedbacks we had from from salutes and stuff is how people would take control of a ship. They would carry out its uh, you know maneuver and how it how it operates basically. And it then became very easy for them to then just crack on with the next ship. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it becomes quite intuitive with that, you know, the fact that during movement, there's only like a, a couple of rules, shall we say, is that your ship's got to move the, the distance that it travels. It's got to pull off a maneuver um, but and it can tr- take that maneuver at any point during its, its move and you can decide left or right. It's, <laughs> you know, it's, there's not like that. It's not overcomplicated in that manner. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and the the other thing coming back to about the painted models and everything, well, this is one of the reasons why it's taken five years. Um, yes. <laughs> is because yeah. it, 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 it's been self-funded over that time. But at, as it stands at the minute, um, 95% of the models are physical models. Um, so there are renders on the Kickstarter because renders are easier to show off because you can adjust the lighting you can play about with the settings of it to make them look really good it's a lot harder with miniatures without the proper um, setup um, exactly um, unpainted resin miniatures are they, they don't no, look great no. you know that that's that's the problem with them um whereas renders you can just change all the lighting and you can really just jazz them yeah. up to show off edges and stuff like that and so they're just easier to work with um but we do have painted miniatures why. there this is also um, why we've added the 3D uh, spin. Yeah, I was going to say, um, though, those were good. We had a look at, at those, didn't we? Because yeah. I think some of the... I think it was... Um, you weren't keen on some of the... Was it the gunships? The EF gunships? Yeah, it was the, yeah, the gunships. From the yeah. three-quarter view. But actually, oh, you look at some of the other pictures, it's just like, ah, you see it from a different angle. It makes it look completely different. So mm-hmm. I think it was because I was looking at it. It, had, it was the one with... Was it the heavy gunship with the four yeah. wings? The four, yes, the Ursus. I don't yeah. think I had a kind of... I didn't really know how long it was. I think that's how... Flat. <laughs> why I was getting this initial... Yes. Uh... So as I say, the Kickstarter is already funded, so it's a great time for people to, to jump in because obviously there's no risk of it not happening or um, anything like that. Um, our kind of only question is at what level we get in. <laughs> because you have... So you have three races at the moment. So we've already mentioned the humans, the EEF, the Earth Expeditionary Forces or Exploratory Forces, that. Yeah, the Vitruvians, who are kind of the, the main sort of aliens. And then you have um, the third race. Do you want to talk a little bit about them? Astivar, yeah. yeah. They're, uh, they're, they're um, an interesting race, um, obviously, for. for dynamics of any game you want to try and add you know multiple um scopes into the game shall we say so that uh, it provides that variety yeah. it's not just you know avb um 
it provides a new dynamic and a new way to come in. But part of the the STVR, explain who uh, they are first. Yeah, so, so they're this cybernetic um, race um, that um, were once almost like the slaves to the Vitruvians, um, and there was a, an event that happened with a, a large uh, scale uh, battle with the EEF where these were deployed and an event happened within that battle that shut all of the uh, drones down um, and the EEF taking an absolute battering on the battlefield end up retreating back to New Helix, the uh, new homeworld that they have. And the Vitruvians kind of watching the battle like Napoleonic generals sat at the back, observing their entire army just kind of die. Mm-hmm. Um, end up retreating away from the battlefield to... Um, you know, go report back to the, the council. Um, but then what happens, it's obviously not overnight, it's over a, a period of time, but the ships um, have just kind of entered a, um, a reboot phase. And so when they reboot back up, they are, if, well, if you imagine it in the, this day and time, their hard drives erased, you know, so they've got no yeah, memory no, of anything. No yeah, and, and so they start to learn and understand so they're like a newborn little baby it just starts to understand the world around it and they start to become sentiment um and they just want to uh collect resources and reproduce new ships um and it's when they start to then meet the other races that they don't see them as friends or or foe they just see resources and they just want to gather those resources to replicate more of themselves so part of the learning process of that is is that they uh you know adapt their weaponry to counteract their things that they are trying to take over they've they've come to realize they're hostile um it's a very sort of insectoid um yeah, the the, the thought path behind them is you yeah. know that that is you know how they kind of operate. Kind of makes them more sinister in a way. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, it's it's sinister in a neutral way because, like I say, what they're trying to achieve is they're not trying to wipe the oh, EEF or the Vitruvians out. It's not you know they just literally see well resources. Well, we can build X amount of ships with that. Let's go have it. <laughs> Why does this resource not want to be reassimilated? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so you you were quite keen on the Astafar, weren't you? Yes, I saw them, and I I did like the. Uh, <laughs> so quite a unique aesthetic, aesthetic, don't they? They yeah. do, yeah. What one thing on the design uh, element of, of those is uh, obviously the the uh, EEF stuff is you know it's quite visibly human, um, you know the fact that it generally looks like planes or shapes that we can associate as humanoid the i do have to say though lots of people when they when they see human races and they automatically kind of skip over that and say like oh this is your bog standard human human thing but i think you've done a good job of doing the human races because i do i'm very very stuck between the robots and humans (laughs) i'm just saying how lots of people don't appreciate the humans enough (laughs) yeah there are they they hold a little special place in my my heart because you know it it, it was the first ship that was made was it was an eef ship yeah but the uh the the (laughs) oh we wanted to have a very different aesthetic to them so that you know they're more organic in shape um and we we just didn't want to have like an alien looking plane. 
Yeah. Because it's just so easy to fall down that route um, of design. So, you know, we wanted to go well out there. Things like aerodynamics don't apply in space. So why not go with more funky designs and, you know, make yeah. it a bit more different that direction? Um, that that has made the, the Vitruvians of, you know, in, in, in some people's mind, a very Marmite sort of um, aesthetic uh, personally. I, I love the Vitruvians. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very much, I, I like uh, everything that's been, been done for the Vitruvian stuff. Uh, but, you know, some people have, have commented that it's the sort of the weaker of, of them, but it's, it's all down to personal opinion, you know, at the end of the day. It's every, everyone likes different things. Really, because, yeah, because I really like the Vitruvians. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they were, they were kind of my first, you know, instinctive, oh, I like those. I, and again, I really like the uh, the EF as well. So yeah. maybe if you get the Estevar, I get the um, <laughs> Vitruvians, and then we can share the EF. Yeah, something something along those lines. <laughs> the, the, the thing with the Estevar is what we wanted to do was uh, go a different approach. So the other ships are very much the X and Y plane, you know, of they're, they're normally quite wide or long and that, but with the, uh, the Astivar, we wanted to work on the Z axis. Um, so make them tall rather than, you know, so quite stubby, but tall. So they're, they're working more that direction to give them a very unique feel. And there's also like, again, the insectoid type thing coming out of them with the, like almost the chitinous armor, on the front and you know the little legs that help them grip onto the the mothership um uh, as well so the the way that we like to think of, of these is if you imagine like a a mothership almost um and these ships almost just cling to the side of it and then they're almost like released out like a like a swarm of bees um <laughs> that that's very much and th- there's one of the images where you kind of see a swarm of them um going after some EEF uh, hydro corvettes and it, you know, very much swarming out from yeah. it. Yeah. Um, Overwhelming gods. Yes. That's the name of it. Um, so that's a good um, segue actually into, you don't only have the fighters, do you? Uh, and the bombers and the, the smaller ships, you also have the corvettes. Yes. Uh, which uh, obviously have a bit more firepower. They're slower. They're a bit more heavy armored, like you'd imagine these you know ships to be um to to give a scale of the the game like we imagine the board which you generally play on a six foot by four foot game this this is very much a war game um rather than um you know anything smaller to 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 board game um and we we always like to envisage what what you're battling is um the area of space between like two cruisers fighting so you uh, you are actually just fighting over this really small bit of space in a bigger battle um and part of that is one of the the biggest visions i like had with the game that always gives me a lot of joy of of thinking about um is one of the scenarios uh that me and mark uh, discussed and, and <laughs> love the, the, the kind of thought of uh, and it, it's called hunting bigger prey and so the idea is is that there's points across the opposite side of the battlefield that you have to try and take out and you have them on your side but what these are these are two cruisers fighting each other and at uh, a point in the turn these cruisers engage and fire like straight arcs at points across the table 
And if you're in the track of that beam, friend or foe, <laughs> you're going to take, you know, a, a bit of pain. But, but that's why it's called hunting bigger prey. These yeah. cruisers don't necessarily care about your little engagements because they have other things to be worried about. Um, so, so that's you know the scale. It is very much nitty gritty dogfighting. Yeah. These these ships, some of them like move sixteen inches. They are fast. Some of them are slow. They move six inches. It's it's all uh, you know just maneuvering around trying to pull off what you need to pull off um another thing that was taken on to consideration very early on is that we didn't want to limit ships um like one thing that really annoyed me but is one of my favorite games is battlefleet gothic is you could literally tell in two turns time where that battle cruiser was going to be because you knew how far it could move how far it could turn so we wanted to eliminate that. Every ship in this game can pull a 180 if it wants to. It, yeah, it, it, it more strenuous for the larger ships, and obviously there are there are penalties involved. Um, but you know, manu- in the, the you know these, these are small agile craft. Even the corvettes are, you know, compared to to a lot of stuff, still quite agile in space, um, as ships should yeah. be. So yeah, pretty much everything can can manoeuvre, um, and you know, we we just wanted to make it so that you weren't li- you know you. You weren't limited to, oh, this this Corvette's going to have to spend three turns just to turn around on itself. Um, you know, it's it's yeah. not naval combat; it's it's space. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, overall, it's been a, a good. Uh, it's it const- constantly learning and and playing the games. It's it's just evolved uh, into a, a really what we'd like to think is a, is a really nice, fun little system. So. So uh, another interesting thing that you got in the uh, the PDF is your asymmetric rules. Is that yes? Tell us a little bit about that. Um, the asymmetric rules are sort of originally it started out as sort of um, electronic warfare. So um, you know ships being able to to actively hack or shut down electronic systems, but having spent time talking about it and and you know uh, Barn our sort of third. Uh, member of, of White Dragon Miniatures, having you know bouncing ideas back and forth, it became apparent that you know the Vitruvians might not even use computers and electronics in the same way humanity does. Um, so it then was was brought into this asymmetrical warfare aspect. So uh, the whole idea behind it is just you know to to add in um, abilities and and sort of powers. Uh, I say in quotation marks to to you know shut down ships or cause um issues or problems for the for the opposition or bonuses to your own fleets um as as like supporting uh actions so that's the, the the whole idea behind it is this whole sort of information electronic um style warfare that also goes on um as well as you know the the, the blasters and the lasers and the the, the missiles that are, are flying around yeah, I think what one thing with that as well is is it, it's 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 looking at something that adds another layer of um, decision making. Yeah, but, but but it's not too radically different to the rules that are already there. So what you don't want to do is create a whole new system. You know, there's a system for shooting. Um, there's the system of the capacitor. You don't want to create a whole new mechanic of how asymmetrical warfare would work because then you, you're making a, a more of a complex issue um, within the game for people to learn. So it's, it's, it adds a new element to it, 
but it's not overly complex. It's quite simple. You spend capacity and you get to roll dice with that capacitor. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's it's quite simple in that way. And if you're successful, you can apply the effects of the um, if, the attack yeah. that you used. Yeah, I must admit, we didn't play with that on our game, did we? Cause no, we, we were just getting general. Yeah, we, we kind of just went for the, let's find out how the mechanics work. And uh, Yeah, the, yeah the, there absolutely. are... So and we definitely missed. I definitely missed some of my uh, special abilities, so uh, <laughs> yeah, it won't have it easy next time. <laughs> yeah, the, the 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 asymmetrical warfare stuff is only um, in certain ships. So that there's, for example, um, well, not that it's it's been shown yet, but there is a EEF, oh, there is. ECM ship. Yeah, you got the, the Spectre support ship for the yeah that, that that one's out. So so they are you know asymmetrical warfare ships. So as well as having some weaponry, they have these. Uh, if you want to put it in a forty k perspective, psychic powers is the easiest way to describe what these things would be to that degree. But <clears> they they are more you know affecting uh, the the ships or even the pilots. Yeah, Some like of them are affect the, the, the pilots. Buffs, um, debuffs, um, yeah. and you know supporting abilities. Like the cyber warfare in Firestorm. Yeah, no, there's some. Uh, I was reading actually the special rules on the on the Spectre, and uh, yeah, I was thinking, I've got to get me one of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the the nice thing as well, because because obviously it, we've been playtesting the game, and there has been a group that uh, Barnaby's been working with to to play the game and making the refinements. But it is ultimately something that it needs the wider masses to. Absolutely, you know, to to get the game and to to get it tested (laughs) on a volume and the feedback, and that's one of the reasons why we've got the PDF um, there is because it's a living rule book, uh, and it can adapt and it can change um, and it can be updated, um, which is a you know a nice thing to have. And then once you know things settle down with how the the game operates and works there then we can look at getting the, the printed book, like we say, and getting that out. Because I, I like a book, you know, PDFs are, are great for for what they are, but a physical book is always nice. But what we don't want to do is produce a book now, and then in six months, exactly. oh, look, we've got a new version out, you know, buy yeah. this version. It's not fair on the customer. Well, and I think, you know, we like a book as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, and one of the things that's really nice to see as well is you've got some really nice artwork, I think, supporting the the game which you know we're big fluff buffs aren't we we, oh, we like the, yeah. the story and you know to imagine what's going on behind and uh, and one of the nice things about this actually is of course that the EEF fired first so they're kind of yes. the baddies in this yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah, which well. is again nice to see you know humanity of, uh, at the wrong end um, <laughs> and the, the noble Vitruvians are just defending themselves really um. <laughs> so, as I say that's that's sort of how the, the Astivar came about you know they the Vitruvians have been at peace for so long they, they just they didn't know how to wage war um, so they, they created the Astivar to, to sort of be this this bulwark and, and this this spear against uh, humanity and you know to start with the, the Astivar took heavy losses because they again they were learning but over time they pushed humanity back and you know the, the events then cascaded as, as Alan explained earlier into uh, their, their friend and foe being reset and we're you know where we are now, so in the Shattered World universe. Okay. So you talked a little bit about you know book in the future. What else do you see for? Obviously, you've been successful already, and hopefully, we'll get to see that be uh, a little bit 
get it larger. Absolutely. Um, where do you see this going post Kickstarter fulfillment? Well, the fulfillment will, you know, fingers crossed, be quite rapid. Um, yes, like I said, really. yeah, it's 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 pretty much by the time the Kickstarter finishes, I think the last models will be done. Um, when I say done, I mean printed um, and going into production. Um, the plastic injection moulds, there's five needed, three are finished, um, and proof samples of those have been got. Um, <laughs> there's there's not much. Uh, to, there really isn't, no. You know, for, for the Kickstarter stuff to be finished, that's one of the nice things. Um, but the, the, the post-Kickstarter is um, looking at... Um, getting the stuff out onto retail, obviously, uh, up on our web store, um, and then um, looking at starting the balancing act of the ships and getting feedback and, you know, making the adjustments as, as required. But there's there's also um, the work going on in the, the background. There's the rough outline of the Shattered Void universe for at least, well, for at now, two extra races to exist um there's no time frame as to when they will appear but one thing with what we're doing with uh shattered void is it's almost like a rolling timeline so as time carries on so will shattered void so new released ships you may get eef ships that start to take technology from the vitruvians because as they start to research it and understand the vitruvian technology they you know, evolve their designs and the way that the society on New Helix, which is kind of the new earth, shall we say, in, in the world, um, that it's very much run by corporations um, and almost arms companies. Um, you know, they, they buy the council and they have people represent them, all this kind of thing. So there's a whole political structure around the EE. Um, underneath the uh, the atmosphere of New Helix, the, the Vitru- which is going to be very, very interesting yes. to explore. I mean, the Vitruvians also have the same issue with the um, with the, 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 the Sovereignty Council. You know, there's, there's separate minds in there. Some are very uh, warlike and they're like, no, you know, New Helix is our planet. We we need to take it back from these alien invaders. They've, they've, you know, taken our, our trust and our... Uh, our help and assistance and threw it back in our face um, then you've got the other side who you know we're like no you know these these new aliens who have arrived are a lot more uh ambitious than we are we need we should just step back and you know allow natural selection to occur so you know that this it's not just humanity that we can expand on um, there's a lot in the vitruvian side as well and yeah. again with the astavar and it's uh it's you know the, what what we're as i say earlier on was saying that we're, we're creating shattered void as, as the universe this is you know so there's all the political struggles there's you know um the the life on new helix developments yeah. in the vitruvian uh, sovereignty um mm. and also the the astivar collective yeah. of you know what they're learning and progressing to as these two races uh, as like the vitruvians gear up for war and produce because they are technologically more advanced than the humans but they just don't have the capability of utilizing that because the war is so early um so it's going to be an interesting 
yeah. you know, struggle of, of, of powers as this carries on mm-hmm. because the Vitruvians are going to get more powerful. But then at the same time, the humans are going to be researching more of yeah. the Vitruvian technology. Yeah. And then the Astivar Collective are going to be gathering up more of the different resources from, from yeah. the battles. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's going to be this interesting, um, you know, um, race for, for, for the weaponry and technology. Um, so, yeah, the, the, there's a lot going forward. Yeah, um, I mean, from a from a, a gameplay perspective as well, just to, to sort of dive in quickly, Alan, um, there, as, as Alan said, you know, there are two other races on the cards that, you know, we're, we're, we're aware of. Um, but in regards to actual gameplay and, and progress, you know, where the game continues, you know, we, there's, there's new ships to add. Uh, for all races uh, there's also uh, one thing we we do want to do and we can't stress this enough you know we, we do want to make it so you you can uh, customize ships uh, the only reason it's not been done for this kickstarter so far is just because the balancing act with 30 ships at the minute is is quite a, a big one you know to balance all these ships out if we then threw in custom um, created ships uh, balance would just absolutely fly out the window and and you know it it would be <laughs> so yeah, yeah it'd be very very difficult very difficult so you know yes custom you know you've been able to choose your pilot choose what weapons your ship has choose its abilities that is something we definitely definitely want to do and will be doing um but not at this moment in time because you know we, we want to make sure uh people you know have got the models they've 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 played the games we've we've got all the mechanics and the main bits nailed down and and rock solid uh, once that's done, you know, sort of, we can then progress into to to expanding it to this this customizable because that's you know in spaceship games that that's how it should be. Um, you should be able to equip your ships with rockets or machine guns or you know water cannons, anything you want. So um, just to put yeah. it out there, that's that's the plan. And we also want to look at um, working on uh, a system where your pilots gain uh, yeah, experience. Camp- so- campaign system. Yeah, so that um, oh. your my pilots have to survive. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's normally <laughs> a, a good way of doing it. Um, <laughs> but it's just a, you know another way of yes. having that like user engagement of you. You know, you've got your guy that's gone from being a rookie and he's worked his way up to being an ace, and that does have an effect in the game. They they obviously are better pilots. Yeah, um, and then again with that upgrade system having unique abilities that they can unlock uh, along the way to give that extra flavor as well. So it, it is very much, yeah. you know, that there's a lot of scope with the game, but what we didn't want to do was kind of jam it all in now at a very poor level. And yeah. like, yeah. you know, people just getting so disgruntled because nothing works. would rather just kind of come in and say, look, this is the game. These are the mechanics. Um, you know, these are the ships play it see how it goes because then it gives us a better idea of how the balancing works for the weapons because you know what we do want to do is you know put weapon slots on ships for like the the eef so you can then pick oh well it's got two weapon slots i want to load these two weapons on because this is the role i want that ship to play imagine a hydra right with all the you know hydra's got like the six turrets around the side you got all this let's stick some rocket pods on all of it and it can just be a massive missile boat That'd be awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Sounds terrible for me. <laughs> well, one thing that um, it's it's written, but it's not in the rule book um, yet. But it's about the terrain. Terrain plays a very big part within the game, 
Um, like I said, you find out the scenario you play in and then also what the board will be like before you pick your army list. And one of those things is things like asteroids are destroyable. So you could actually shoot a large asteroid and it will break off and move into two smaller asteroids and then that can be shot. Uh, There's three different types, three different sizes of asteroids. Um, so it's it's quite. Did you guys used to play asteroid as a kid. So. Oh, <laughs> um, but but it, you know it, it's utilizing that aspect of it. And there's also I know it's normally in bigger games of having like auras or these kind of things or little gas clouds that cause My disturbance. Shower, uh, yeah, but we, we've included these things in it so that terrain has an effect on ships. So it, you know you're going to look at that for tactics as well you know i think it plays a, a big important part um that's interesting because because we couldn't um actually it's while we were playing and you clipped well, you, well you i didn't clipped, clip you went through an asteroid field didn't you and we couldn't see we didn't know whether it's just because it was you know we were in the game and we didn't have time to look it up um properly uh, but we couldn't see anything for the uh terrain but actually it was intuitive enough that we just said well just okay just you take a yeah, kinetic that's, damage that's, then. you know similar to the way that you you'll collide if you collide with the yeah. ship. and to my horror i got two which was the most i did to that fighter i think well yeah because <laughs> no, 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 pretty, pretty much my ship through. rammed into an asteroid and then as soon as it got out it was disintegrated by one of your ships. <laughs> it happened to come right in front of my heavy fighter, so it was just, I uh, I put my beam laser on it. It was, it, was, it was pretty funny. But, but um, that adds to like that. What, what when me and Mark um, like we play Infinity a lot, and we play Infinity for the story. You know, it's 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 yes. very much a narrative yeah. of. of like we we will say what we're doing and you know why we're doing these kind of things you know they're very much story led yeah. and we want to kind of replicate that in shattered void you know that whole thing there well, i think having progressible pilots sounds fantastic because yeah. i mean the only guy that survived of mine happened to be uh one of my heavy fighters that dodged absolutely everything <laughs> didn't he yeah he was just amazingly lucky uh and he also took out your heavy fighter my heavy fighter my, so he's kind captain. of you can, you know, we were already building up a, a dialogue mm, here, mm. Where we, a sort of narrative. <laughs> and of, we, we love that kind yeah. of thing. We always do that. Whenever yeah, we, we play do. a game of, like, Strange Aeons is a yes. fantastic yeah. uh, example of that. We always do that with our Firestorm yeah. games. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But to have that, that kind of ongoing narrative is, Would is be really fantastic. strong. Yeah. Um, so, so. Uh, and I think, you know, we're quite excited about your your uh, your universe Thank and you. your your game because I think it it fits nicely between that kind of very meaty game like Firestorm um, and sort of X-Wing which is you know quite a light yes. bite yeah. sort of game but doesn't have that although you can have pilots and stuff you're not really in control of that it's about deck building and I mean we There's do no play progression in, in either of those games actually we can't deny that we play X-Wing because we like the film <laughs> as oh, well yeah, <laughs> and absolutely because we're doing that exact thing of building the narrative of you know, here you rebel scum. <laughs> yeah, you rebel scum in your X wings while I, you know, send the Emperor's finest after you. Um, so yeah, I think it sits in a nice place, and um, you know, certainly I'd encourage anybody that's that's listening to this. If you're listening to this, you're interested in spaceships anyway. Um, but take a look, and uh, if you're anything like us, you'll end up backing. So. <laughs> But thanks, guys. We're running uh, quite long now, so probably <laughs> a good uh, a good spot. No, it's, it's always a good thing, uh, but a good 
a good time to call it uh, the end of the episode, I think. Excellent. Thanks very much for your yeah, time. Um, all the best with your fulfilment of the of the Kickstarter. Um, I think it's nice to be in a position where you're a week or so from the end and you know it's going to happen. Yeah, yes. yeah. So. Um, so, yeah, all the best with that. But there's still still some good things to be uh, to be shown yeah so uh, still keep your eyes peeled <laughs> good 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 no it sounds exciting as well for for the future so uh, yeah all the best and um yeah well you'll see what pledge level we end up <laughs> doing <laughs> thank you yeah thank you for the opportunity to, to come on it's been great. exactly it has been fantastic good really stuff. enjoyed it Okay, well that brings us to the end of this episode then. So signing off from the Hub Systems, it's Alex. And Oscar. And Alan. And Mark. We'll see you next time. Bye.